got numbers. It's a Cleveland Moto Podcast number 385. Oh, nice. that was good. That was at least a three-gun salute. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, what can we say that hasn't been said already? It's uh, August the 11th here in Cleveland, Ohio. We're proud to be witnessing the start of the downfall of society, apparently. <laughs> uh, lock and load is apparently the order of the day. Oh, boy. That's okay. Um, I assure you, we may not be locked, but we're going to get loaded. Oh. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, to my immediate left, Oscar, crack a beer and drink. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Exactly. And to his immediate left, a sleepy nail gun cinch. <laughs> oh, no. Too soon, man. Too Brought soon. A nail gun to a gunfight. <laughs> oh, man. And to his immediate left, and to his immediate left. Johnny's server warrant. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And your host, Unky Probable Cause, Phil Waters, <laughs> here bringing you another fun-filled episode of the Cleveland Motive Podcast. And I have to say that in last week's episode, 384. Yes. Holy shit. We're ready for primetime, boys. That was a lot of information. There was, it was a tight two-hour podcast, and we covered seven or eight actual real Topics. Yeah. With well, real good thing things. you didn't have me to slow you oh, down. Oh man, you would have loved it. But so, the sing out was was off. There was just something yeah. really off yeah. without John. We missed yeah. you, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass this around to everybody and you can play with it and check it out. And Is open this it what up. killed Grumpy Sewer Guy? Once it makes it to the end of the table. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. You're you're good. Uh just like pretend like it's a big knife. There you go. So once it makes it to the end of the table, you guys can tell me. What you think about it and where it came from. It looks like a giant lockback knife. It's pretty light. Right? Very, very, just like a, it looks, looks like, like a, a pruning. Chair. Yeah. Keep on going. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. My wife has one of these. It's, it's got a lock on it? It's a, yeah. It's yeah. a bone saw that a hunter would Yeah. Well. No, it's just, it's just like, I mean, they, she has one. It's a Fisker's one. Yeah. Got a polymer handle yeah. with a lock and everything. Do you know where I found that? It's just for sawing off branches of trees and stuff. Yeah. You know where that came from? No. Underneath a Japanese vehicle? Yes. It came from oh. underneath the seat or behind the seat of one of the Japanese Subaru Japanese vans I just bought. Steel. Because yeah. that's, that's what it was. Yeah. Hers is supposedly some like, it's like a Ginsu. Yeah. like you know. right. So that came out of the back of one of my Japanese, or out of the, the inside crew compartment of one of my Japanese trucks. I, was, I find all these cute little fun things in there. That's for cutting down some... Uh, yeah. So I wonder, you know, I'm going to go ahead and clean it, clean it up. I'll give it the metal rescue treatment and try to restore it a little bit and see if the metal in the blade is any good at all, you mm. know, but whatever. But it's very lightweight and... Pretty cool. Yeah, it's Almost very funny. looks handmade. It kind of does have yeah. that look of being handmade. It probably costs one dollar. Uh, the, the one that Peggy yeah. has is very nice. If you just want to take a limb off a tree yeah. or something sticking out, and exactly throw that in your pocket when you're on your your mountain bike or something, or when you're yeah. out in the woods, yeah. or and, your toe turns black and you got to get yeah. rid of it. Well, <laughs> again, <laughs> it's not always about having a chainsaw. It's about having <laughs> something that cuts wood when you need to cut wood. Because I can tell you there's been many times where I've had just the wrong sapling and the wrong branch at the wrong place. And this thing's got some beautiful, yeah. fine little teeth on it. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. And, if you, you know, want to make firewood, just a bow saw, really? Yeah. I mean, you can it's cut up you a need. tree yeah. like nobody's business. And I really was impressed by the locking mechanism, that the locking mechanism is very stout. Like, you're not going to accidentally cut your fingers off with right. that. Mm. Despite it being what I would consider to be extremely workmanlike quality. How old do you think that is? That looks pretty old. It kind of does look mm -hmm. old. And because, you know, all the, 
none of this, the steel on the blade and everything does not appear to be machine cut. So it appears to be that somebody actually, you know, Maybe. stamped that out. It, yeah, pretty cool anyway. Just yeah. thought that was kind of fun. Yeah. Show and tell item yeah, yeah, for the yeah. night. Thought that was kind of fun. So as far as anybody here is concerned, you guys tonight, Sleepy rode the... My blue GS850. Yeah, the old GS850. Mm-hmm. And what year is that? 81? 82. 82. All right. So you showed up on that. Kromke showed up on your new Tiger. Yep. The new Tiger, which again, still fucking yeah, loving right. that bike, right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Fan. It seems to have grown. You have boxed yeah. it all up now. Put the, the top box and the bags on it. Well, it looks good, though. They, they yeah. I mean, like, the bike was designed well, and they didn't fuck around with the boxes either. Like, it looks very smooth and yeah, it, convenient. Yeah, it, it does look like it works really well. Yeah. And for not being a big, overweight bike, it looks like it's and you, on you the money. And you you can pop those things off and on in, like, five seconds, right? Yeah, like I mean, you, same key that works the ignition, works all the boxes. Turn it, lift the box. Yeah, perfect. I have a top box question. Yeah. I, Seem to have lost my key to my GV. Okay. And what do you do? So with GV boxes, you can order a new set of locks. So you can get in touch with GV USA. You can't just get a key that matches the code on the you lock. You can. And that's, or you can talk to somebody like Oscar who knows about keys and things. Oh, I have something for Oscar too. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And we have, we have. I'm going to get it now because I'll forget. It's okay. no big deal, but. Yeah. We have an arsenal of some extra GV keys in the building. So if you mm. need, you know. Oh, and I can yeah. re-key it to, exactly. to his side. That's yeah, what I was yeah, thinking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? I haven't looked at my TNT 135 key. Are we sure we didn't put it on there when we were switching bikes? Uh, I'll look. I'll check. Oh, okay. I'll check when I get home. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't those a three-digit code? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. places that can cut them if you just tell them the code. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that, so that's that's the deal. Is uh, And GV has recently changed their uh, keys for some of their luggage to be a more... Uh, a more complicated key, oh. something a little less pickable, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's well, go ahead. I was gonna say, speaking of these keys and stuff, I watched this video the other day, and this dude took like a a little hooky tooth thing, mm-hmm. and he stuck it into an ignition thing, and he was like, he felt it, and he you could hear him going like one, three, mm-hmm. six, five, and then he pulled it out, and he took a key, a blank mm-hmm. key, yeah, and some nippers, and was like. And then it fucking started the bike. Is that legit? Like, can people really just feel it and uh, hear the shit? Yeah, you kind of can. Yep. Uh, but it's it's not easy. Well, I mean, I mean, the dude was like, I mean, he's been a key guy for like 30 yeah, you years can, or you can kind of like feel that, so. the how deep your grooves are, and right. actually, you do one at a time, and you can kind of yeah. I mean, it, it would take a lot of skill to know that, but yeah, I can see it being wow. a thing. So it, we had yeah. here in Lakewood, in Lakewood, we had a place called Hobby Lock and Key. And it wasn't hobby like it's a hobby to be locking keys. No, it was the guy's name, right? <laughs> yeah. And so there were two guys that worked in there. And the one guy was an old gray beard like you'd expect. Yeah. When you're in business and all you do is lock and key, yeah. right? Locksmith shop. Yeah. And you have a standalone business in a retail booming area. Oh, there you go. Look at that. So a uh, nice. little project for Oscar to play with. And, uh, oh, that's pretty cool. And so I used to take motorcycles, Vespas, Lambrettas, Hondas, Kawasaki's. To this guy, and I would just take him there in the back of my truck, drop him off in front of his place, and he'd call me sometimes two hours later, sometimes a week later, and he'd go, yeah, so how many keys you want for that? <laughs> and I, I'd be like, really? Yeah. And it had a separate column lock key, and it had a separate luggage box key. Are you key. kidding me? Oscar did, so Oscar just picked a lock that is 
Is it four bales or three, three bales? Three. So it's three bales, nine digits each or ten digits each. <laughs> Unbelievable. In less that time, was sweet. He picked that lock in less time than it would take me to go get my bolt cutters. Holy yeah. shit. So your bicycle is not safe. Nice. Not with Oscar around. Yeah. Well, now it's a usable lock. Now yeah. it's an actual lock. You yeah, know the key. As long as Oscar's not around. I'm not going to tell you a key code, though. <laughs> ah, there you go. So I think that's hilarious. That took him about 11 seconds. God, he's good at that. But so, yeah, this guy would literally call me up and be like, yeah, come pick your bike up. And I'd go up and he'd go, how many keys do you want? And I'd say, yeah. you know, give me three keys or four keys or whatever. Yeah. That was Hobby Lock and Key. I'm Carabell. Mm, yeah, very and nice. Good place. Good place. They closed, unfortunately. There's another place on down Madison that yeah. can, that's very comparable. Right, because when Carabell, when that st- shop closed, they started sending me over to that Trisket, mm-hmm. whatever the one it yeah, was. He could, if you take in like your motorcycle bolt or whatever, he can, yep. he can match a key and cut a key. And- yeah. And he was the, but he did what you're saying, Sleepy the Nipper. Yeah. So he would, he had the little key nipper thing, and I watched him do it one time. And he's like, click, 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 click. And he'd test it in the lock, then put it in his key machine and make you four or five copies. Crazy. So, yeah, skilled, competent locksmiths. Have you seen at uh, uh, Menards and also, uh, what's the, the other Home Depot, the, the, the Blue Home Depot? Lowe's. Lowe's. The blue, the blue Home Depot. <laughs> uh, they have these machines where you just stick your key in yes. it and it just goes and it spits out a bunch of keys. Yeah, it's not real good. No? So it works on like the traditional Schlage yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. other household keys pretty great. You have to have a key that has the blanks there for it yeah, yeah. in the machine. So it's not, I tested it with some keys that I had like for the shop and stuff like that. And yeah. It was no, no good. No go. Uh, all the Ace stores have that now too. Okay. Yeah. 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 I was, I just first time I saw it, I was like, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So I went into the true value in Conneaut that time forgot. Oh, really? So was cool? this was, no, this was exceptionally like weird, but cool. But yeah. like, I don't know. Like, so the guy who is the guy who owns it, I think is working it and been working it. First of all, they still have guns. Did he lock some the door new, Some new, some used. Okay. Well, that's so, interesting. Yeah. That was interesting. Yeah. I'm like, and it looks like, so it was best I can make out. Prices went on things, and some prices were too high, and they never sold. And he never took them off the shelf. He's going to get his money for it. And they're still there. Yeah. Like, yeah. he had games for Odyssey 2. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Whoa. Brand new, still up on the shelf at 35 bucks a game, which nobody's going to buy. Well, because right. the But then he said yeah. a kid came in and yeah. bought the Odyssey console. It was like, oh. Get out of here. That man. Odyssey console oh. at retail price, yes, I'll give you the money for that. Yes. yes. He okay. had... Like two brand new lawn boy, like the green lawn yeah. boy mowers. Oh, the two stroke with yeah. the, the schnozzle in the front. Yeah, like yeah. yeah. I'm like, they're new. They've never sold. They're wow. but they're like four hundred dollars. I no. respect that because I do that here. I'm like, I know what I paid for that bike. Moto Guzzi did that to me when we had our Moto Guzzi franchise. There were a couple of bikes that we had bought that weren't the sales victories that we thought they were going to be and they hung around and then moto guzzi did the sin the sin of all sin is then they lowered the price on the bike so for instance there was a point where when you bought a brand new moto guzzi grizzo the moto guzzi grizzo was fifteen thousand nine hundred ninety five dollars and at some point you know they even guzzi kind of went I, I think we i think we overshot that one and so guzzi dropped the price on them to thirteen nine ninety five well, the dealers who bought them to be retailed at fifteen nine ninety five and had their fourteen percent profit margin 
had actually paid more for the bike than they could now sell it for because Gucci was now advertising all of them at thirteen nine ninety five. Right. Yeah, and so we had one here, and I was like, okay. So Gucci's best thing was if you sold that bike, the dealer got a parts credit that would at least make you break even. But then you made zero dollars on selling the bike. Right. So you had to make the decision of are you going to sell the bike at Gucci's new price and take a dick in your ass, basically. Plus, you remember, you may have had it floored or financed for a period of time, and now you lost all your finance money, too, and you can't get that back. And so I, there was a bike that I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to keep it. <laughs> and I just, <laughs> I just hung on to it. So I was like, I'm just going to keep it. I'm not going to ride it much. It'll just be here. It'll have a title that says it's got a brand new warranty, two-year warranty on it. Yeah. And the bike became a year old, and then it became two years old, then it became three years old. And it just lucked out for me because I kept the price on it at my price that I needed to get for it, which yeah. was like a 1000 under, but it wasn't what they were selling it for. Then they had a valve train issue. And it wasn't a recall. It was like, go to your dealer, spend the money for your dealer to take your top end apart. He'll determine which parts kit you need to change your bike over from a diamond-like coating flat tap or a diamond-like coating little baby push rods to an actual flat uh, tap it uh, roller cam situation. Right. So that was the same thing as the Stilvio, right? Yeah. Yes. Or whatever, right? Yeah, all the 1200s had yeah, a lot yeah. of 1200s. Well, the bike that I had on my floor was exempt from that problem. Ah. So people were coming to the shop and they're like, well, I want to buy a Gritzo, but they all have this problem and I don't want to spin the wheel of fate and find out my bike's got the problem because all the bikes now are susceptible. I was like, not that one. That one right there is exempt from all those problems. And we sold it. Oh, and we So in that guy's defense... Eventually, you get your money. Now, he's not going to get his money on those $35 games. He, he had gallons of paint <gasps> that were leaking. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, oh. But they're still, but then there's brand new cans. But like, right. the, he never. Like, I just, rescind my statement. But the one thing he did have that I, I needed to research a little bit, might go back. He had the pump action Daisy BB gun. Oh, really? Yeah. And it was in, like, he had the box. There was yeah. nothing in it. And then I went yeah. up. He's like, no, that's up on the shelf. Yeah. If you want to buy it, I'll put the gun back in the box. Oh. It was $58. <gasps> For the pump. For the pump action. Yeah. No, it's a, it's, that's it, a find. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, got to go back and get that. Well, don't tell anybody where it is. Right, right. Yeah. Oops. You got to get it back Oops. before this. Go in there and make him an offer. Go, go before the podcast. Well, that, that's the other thing. I'm like, yeah. man, <laughs> all of his prices were very high because there's, like, he's the only game in town. Yeah. yeah, right. Can I make an offer, though? Because this is obviously a 30-year-old. Right. <laughs> like, you know what, though? Here's the best thing. Be like, you know what? Eh, yeah, take 40 for it or whatever. And then when he when he starts to give him, as soon as you see the smoke in his face, be like, nah, I'll just give you cash. Yeah. yeah Did, right. Does he have, like, so, like, you're working on your house out there, right? Yeah. Does he have, like, necessities, like yeah. hardware and yeah. things? Yeah. So he actually has stuff. I, I mean, I went and bought a torch, a propane torch, because oh, I okay. forgot my torch, right so... I was able to buy that. I bought so what I've been. you need some hinges. You need something. He's got that shit. Yeah. 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 Mostly what you need. Okay. Uh, but a lot of boxes of stuff that, like, he kept the boxes. Like, the guns are there, but then all the boxes are in this one section of just boxes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's definitely. What, is the store really brown? Like, what? Like I'm trying to picture what the store looks like. It's Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't changed in a long, long wow. time. Like, How there old was is this the really dude? funky wallpaper up on the front of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's. 
70 maybe. Yeah. Wow. So there you go. Wow. Yeah, definitely a lot of stuff that's been sitting on the shelf for 30 years. He had, like the Walkman, like the little radio, like the radio that I yeah, had yeah, yeah, 30 yeah. years ago. Right. Yeah. He has one brand new in the, in the box. In the, in the bubble. You wow. Know, like, <laughs> I'm like, there's a whole set, like a whole bunch of those. I'm yeah. like, oh, if there was a disc man or something brand new. I'd there's oh, a yeah. cult for that shit. So. Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. the like, cassette Walkman? Yeah. Dude, I think people are looking like, I no, think, no, I think making a comeback for If you wanted a cassette Walkman, I know where you can buy one brand new in Damn. the package. There you go. But it's like, perfect. It's, it was at the highest price it was ever retailed at, right. at like $30. Yeah. yeah. Nobody will ever right. buy it for exactly. $30. Well, but at this point, you can't find them anywhere. Right. For Unless 30. you, if, yeah. but if you really wanted one, yeah. you could get that one. Well, I do have a big box of fucking tapes that if I've wanted uh, from here, you know? yeah. I'm, I have all these old Japanese cars that keeps me keeps me well running cassette tape players. <laughs> yep, and I I grab the, the you know awesome mixtape from 1990. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll pop it in. And it'll be like, oh that's great, and then. And oh, like, oh, so I've been get your eating. pencil out. Yeah, I've been I've been eating. Yeah, I've I've had my share of tapes, so they are a depreciating resource. John, I put, pulled up on the screen for you. This is what we talked about last week. That yeah. looks like the BMW 301 or something. It it has kind of a very. But it's a, got a horizontal Honda motor. It does. Or, or yeah. Honda motor in it. We're all gonna own this soon. Okay. So the company that we're not allowed to mention. It looks it, like it's street legal. And you're not allowed to guess. Because I've I've made a promise. I would say BMW. Okay, well it's uh, made by Shine Ray. Okay. Who is G four hundred C? Makes a lot more sense. Yep. So that's made by Shine Ray, and uh, that is a one twenty five. Yep. With a clutch and a, a four speed or a five speed, I can't recall. And a banana brake. Well, the brake lever is <laughs> the brake lever is a little utilitarian, but it does have a kickstart and it does have a carburetor. But um, this I'll, is a certain company's answer to the Navi. So instead of a Navi at eighteen nine ninety nine or eighteen ninety nine, which is pretty awful, I love the Navi. Yeah, well there you go. You're the only one. That that bike wouldn't yeah. go thirty miles an hour with you on it. Yep, but but no, it'll go fifty with anybody no on way. it. That's what they say. That's what they say. Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> all right. Not the one I rode. The one I rode was broken. The uh, but anyway, this one. So I'm kind of keeping my fingers crossed on this one. So I participated in a survey about this, and it's got Schnabel. It's got Schnabel. Yep, it's got Schnabel. The seat looks so fucking comfortable, though. I've, I just want to sit on it. Right, my butt feels nice now. So, but I've always, I've. So the reason I brought this up for John is John wasn't here to see this. Yeah, right. Thank and, you. Right. So John wasn't here to see it. So I thought it'd be fun if we pulled it up so John could have a you know quick just, look at this. I one. love the frame. It's the first frame I've ever seen like that for the laydown motor, where it actually looks like it's more supportive than just a top two. <sighs> you know what's yes? So many of the bikes that use this type of a motor yeah. will have the the motor going into just a flat stamped piece of steel. Yep. And the motor kind of becomes this weird flexible object hanging in the middle of it. And uh, so, speaking of which, yeah. like the the black SSR, yeah. the motor is like... Clunk, 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 is it? Yeah, tighten that shit up, man. Yeah, it, it definitely needs a little... Yeah, I got to tighten that up. Was that from when the lady ran over it? Uh, well, I think it just got ridden really hard. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, so we yeah, lost track at 1,200 laps. Yeah, I'm sure. Right. So 1,200 laps. Two tanks of hard, right. hard laps. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, those are eighth mile laps. Yeah. That was the bike yeah. that no, that never stopped going. It, it never did. If she got off it, Nick jumped on it. Well, I, thought, I thought it was funny that, yeah. that Liza spent like however much on Oh, and she TNT, said so too. A TNT yeah. 135, and then nobody wanted to ride it. Oh, don't feel bad though. That bike got 100 miles put on it. That bike had Damn. 100 miles put on it. And it never left mid-Ohio. No, but the SSR probably had about 500 miles. Oh, for sure. Yeah, right. 
Yeah. However at, many at full yeah. brap. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's what people are like, well, are these SSR good? SSR is good. And I'm like, I'll show them the video of Haley ripping it around the thing. And I was like, that's not her first lap. That's her 1200th lap. Yeah. You know, and it was out there just giving it and getting it against anything it, out there. It died. She ran out of gas. Yeah. <laughs> just I'm like, oh, well, you know, just put it over on reserve. And right. she's like, oh, good. Then I got some more laps out of it. And then she, <laughs> she, took she proceeded on. to do. I'm like, are you going to get gas or what? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. And it does have a really long reserve for some reason. So, yeah, you <laughs> I can forget. What do they have to do to get her to go get gas? I was like, I'm going to go back. And she's like, well, and I was like, well, come on. Like, oh, OK. And she finally got gas. And like there was. There was like when we got back to camp, the bike was like, <laughs> just running. And then fumes. we filled it. I had a five gallon tank. I think I gave her two gallons of my five gallons. Right. And she was back at it. Like, yeah. Yeah. They don't understand that this, uh, that the stuff that we have might not necessarily be as good as the stuff that they have out there. Like, they're very willing to just jump on anything and take off. The, yeah. But like, oh, yeah. Hey, that just got started like a right. minute ago. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. We <laughs> really don't know how much gas is in it. How well, much when she was going to go, when she was going to ride your four wheeler and she was like, um, and you have your fucking vice grips as a shifter. <laughs> yeah. Shift, yeah. The grip shifter. Yeah. Yeah. You're, I think you're right. I think there might be a little, a little disparity here between the budget involved yeah. with yeah. like somebody hands you the keys to something in our group. Look for the vice grips. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Well, I think they're also the kind of, like, it seems like they're like into having one or two nice bikes. Yeah. Where right. the rest of us just have a lot of 97 bikes. bikes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can leave the nice out of most of them. My other car is 14 bikes that don't run. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. So um, last week in our podcast, we talked about Continental Tire Recall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I put the phone number up there for the show notes and everything else. And I, you you do got to look into that. So just just a refresher: if you have Continental tires on your motorcycle, check the recall. Make sure you're not riding around on dangerous rubber. Okay. Here's another story about some crazy, crazy days. Oh no! Uh, today we had a customer bring a motorcycle into the shop, and we are not rotten. We're not evil when it comes to if you want to bring your own tires in. So if you want to bring your own tires in, we'll mount them up for you. Most of the time. Very rarely will I have a customer hand me a set of tires and I'm just like, nope, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> now, we've had people bring us used tires, which normally I will not mount up. Right. We've had people bring us in stuff that I know was just fucking rigged and was a bad, bad idea and probably should have just stayed the fuck away from it. Right. But today was a new one. Uh, the guy brought the bike in and handed me these two tires. And I, at the second he handed me the tires, I was like, something is not right. Was it a feel weight or the, the tires felt exceptionally greasy, Mm. just really greasy. Yeah. And the best way I can describe the way they felt is, you know how, when you're, you're handling a quality tire that has a decent high silica content, the tires not really super black. The tires a little gray. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not Vanta black. It's not where light goes to die. It's kind of gray and they have a texture to them, a feeling to them, a good tire where even when you're just, yeah, it's got a little like squeaks. Like we're talking about the cheese, right? You can put your fingernail into it a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This guy handed me these tires and they were wrapped with a, a, a label 
Now, I'm 53 years old. I've been riding motorcycles since I was a child. I'm going to say conservatively, I've installed thousands of motorcycle tires. Mm -hmm. I've never seen this label in my life. (laughs) It was like foil. It was really weird. It was a strange label, and it was kind of hard to read. But when he handed me the tires, they almost fell out of my hands. They were that greasy. Like the mold radiation was all over? It, just the rubber itself was The slimy. rubber itself was slimy. Ew. The rubber was slimy. Wow. And you could kind of... It didn't feel like it was just right. There was something wrong with it. Like yeah. unvulcanized. Like unvulcanized rubber is a very good way to put it. And so I, I just was like, what the fuck? And so I asked the guy, I said, dude... Where did you get these? And he says, Amazon. And I said, all right. Now, at our shop, the the lowest tire that we stock, depending on what size you have, is usually either a Kenda or a Shenko, right? They're in the same price point. Shenko tires have proved to be great. I put them on my Africa Again? I love Shenko tires. Right. But we don't stock Savas. Right. We've had bad luck with Savas. And there's other brands that people have heard of that we don't stock. Chengshin. Chengshins are actually from Taiwan now. Most of the Chengshins that we're getting are Taiwanese, and they're quite good. And they hold up pretty well. Chengshins used to be kind of what we would make fun of, right? Because you're like, that's a that's a $12 tire. Mm-hmm. And Chengshins used to be pretty fucking bad. But now hard. They were always just really hard. Really hard. Yeah, good for an off-road tire or good for a tire that you put on a sidecar, something like that. So I asked the guy, I was like, okay, now you got to tell me. You got two tires here. These are motorcycle tires. You got two tires. What did you pay? 130 bucks. Not for just the back tire, but for the pair. So if you want to use your own math, you can say you paid 80 for the back and 50 for the front. And I said, well, wait, so you didn't order these independent of each other? No, they came as a set. That's fucking odd. Okay, enough said. But, I mean, if you look up, I want KLR six fifty tires. Bingo! Somebody out there is selling a selling set with tubes and everything. As a set, kit. you got it. So I instantly started looking at the sidewall of the tire because I'm aware that there are certain things on the side of a tire that legally must be there. One and of those is very important. Yes, it's three letters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And so. You know, I'll just, you know, I'll pass the cheat sheet around so people can see it. But there are things that by law must be on the side of a tire if you plan on selling that tire in the United States. Um, Not least of which is a weight rating or a speed rating. Okay. Now, not all tires are required to have a speed rating on them. But the weight rating for sure, the use rating, it tells you based on the design of the tire, how much weight the tire is allowed to carry. So you don't put a tire that can only carry 300 pounds on the back of your Harley Davidson. It might be the same size, can't do the same job. I did eventually find, now there is usually, on every tire I've ever seen, there's usually a balancing mark telling you where you should balance the bike. Oh, paint dot. Paint dot or an arrow or something like that. There's always a tread wear indicator. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This tire had none of those. (laughs) It also did not have a weight classification, a durability rating. Had none of that. And even going onto the Amazon site that sells it, I could not find any image of the tire that showed those, that marks. Showed those marks. Huh. So they're hip to it. So this company who's selling these in the United States under the name MMG 
is hip to the fact that their tires are not rated. Now, they have ripped off the tread pattern for IRCs. Mm. They've ripped off the tread pattern for Continentals. They've ripped off the tread pattern for Kenda. They've ripped off the tread pattern for Dunlop. But nowhere in any image of any tire that they're listing on Amazon for about half of what the real version of that tire would be. You know why? It's got to be good. And five stars, four and a half stars. You know how it gets to be Amazon's choice, right? Yeah. It's when something is so cheap and starts selling like wildfire, Mm -hmm. Amazon Mm -hmm. buys them out, buys all of it up, Mm -hmm. and then adjust the price up to where they know they can sell it yep and then it becomes amazon's choice yep and they take that profit that normally so i I figured out why the stuff's on the sidewall they literally probably took a mold of the tires you were talking about scraped the sidewall off the mold and then fucking or filled it in rather Mm -hmm. and then they're just pumping tires out yeah and so the dot so this is the only picture i was able to find that showed any of the sidewall and all it shows is the metric the metric size okay that's it but the DOT marking that was on the tire that I was able to find looked like it was put on by like, you're like my first block set, like my first label maker. So yeah. it did actually say D O it said D O N T, but it looked like it was put on. Yeah. Not well, as, after the tire was made, not as part of the mold, not, not as part of the mold. Stamped like somebody heated up a brand and yeah, branded yeah. into it. Exactly. Damn. It did not have the mandatory by law oval that contains the date uh, manufacturing on it, which is, a violation of an HTSA. Yeah. And more importantly, I'm, I'm telling you, when you go to Amazon, the first thing it says is that it's approved. DOT approved. Dang. Right? It physically says it right there. It gives it a speed rating. It gives it a max load rating. It says that it's four-ply radial, load range B. Like, all this information is in the listing on the Amazon uh, ad. The right? the I just recently lost a tire on a trailer that I bought off of Bruce. Uh-huh. And I know Bruce put new tires on it, yeah. but they're gone. And that's the best they're that I gone. can describe. And I know, and it wasn't yep. like, I mean, like he's only had the trailer for less than 10 years. I mm-hmm. mean, I know they're right. not, they're just, but, and it was like, like I said, it was like they were just really super cheap, yep. unvulcanized rubber, yep. and they just dry rotted a shit. Mm-hmm. I drove all the way from Illyria to Oberlin. Until it was gone. What's that song? Vulcanize your ham wallet or something? Vulcanize <laughs> so your what did ham I do? Wallet. I ordered another set off of Amazon. <laughs> so John's like, wait, what's that listing? Yeah, I got yeah. a career coming. Letting you know when it comes to this kind of stuff. The, the customer, when I showed the customer all these attributes and I walked him into my showroom and, sh- and held him up. I held him up a Hi-Max tire, Cheng Shin. I held him up a Hi-Max tire. I held him up a Shinko, and I held him up a Michelin. Mm-hmm. And I said, these are attributes that are on every single one of these tires, but they're not on your tire. Feel each one of these tires, brand new tires or an old one. And now feel the tire that you want me to put on your bike. Now, I've already told you, I'm not going to put this tire on your bike. Mm-hmm. You can go home and do whatever the hell you want, but I'm not going to do it. I don't think this tire is going to last. I think it's going to be dangerous. The first time you lean mm-hmm. this bike over, you're going down. And... After he took one second comparing the tire he bought to a good tire, he's like, no, fuck it. I'm returning him. I'm returning him. I'm returning him instantly. I was. Shit, you had a smart customer. The the guy was fantastic. The guy was great. And when I did go online and went to Parts Unlimited and found him a good set of Kendas that, that we've sold hundreds of these tires, he told me he was on a budget. 
He doesn't ride the bike much. He doesn't want expensive tires. I found the tires through Kenda. So for the set that he was getting for 130 bucks, he ultimately ended up paying 200 bucks. So yeah. he ended up getting for 70 more, more bucks. He got a tire with all the correct ratings on it with everything else. Now here's the trick with this thing. I went to <clears throat> MMG's website and MMG's website I do not know where this company comes from, but they are clearly rebranding a whole bunch of Chinese crap. And I couldn't find fuck all from them in the way of an actual safety rating or an actual NHTSA stamp or a real DOT stamp that's being photographed. I was able to find the name of the company that makes the tire based on the wrapper that was on the tire. It was like, Yongling, and I looked it up, and they make bicycle tires. And that's what they're famous for. They make bicycle tires. Well, clearly, they'll make any tires because if you get them, if if they want to make money doing it, we have goop, we'll squirt it in any mold you want. That's right. And we will (laughs) copy any mold, we'll grind out any mold you want us to grind out. It was very surprising. I mean, very surprising to me to see the extreme low quality. And MMG is a company that will sell you a full face modular helmet for $61. Oh, that has to be a quality claim. This is what we're saying. That's a good lid right, right. there. This is exactly what we're saying. So my head to that, that one looks yeah. like a Simpson. It looks just like a Simpson, right? But this is the point, you know, $59 helmet, that kind of thing. But that's why this one I think is funny. It's called the bunny. That's the bunny, the MMG bunny helmet. Uh, but we, you got to remember guys. Better than be, no helmet at all. Yeah. Better than no helmet at all. Yeah. That's exactly right. But if you, if you're telling me that your budget for a helmet is only $84 and 90 cents, I hate to say it, but you can go to Walmart and you can buy a $69 full face helmet at Walmart that is made by the same company that's producing helmets for Bell. So I was going to say, like, maybe, maybe no helmet might be better than that because I've seen a couple of really low budget helmets as yeah. a joke. Yeah. Where like the thing that holds the visor on is a screw that goes in this way. Yeah. Oh, oh no. yeah. And there's nothing there except for a little foam. So if you were to hit that side of your right. head, you have a new hole. When we've also seen some helmets that were brought in here that were Chinese after like Chinese helmets where the the nylon strap that holds the helmet to your head yeah. was literally going into a tab inside the helmet that was glued inside the helmet. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. So just because they sell it on Amazon does not mean that you're supposed to buy it. And when it's your tires of all things, man, your fucking tires. So and don't think about, and maybe it's not the time to think about, the guy was like, he's like, look, he goes, I'm only going to, I'm putting new tires on this bike to sell it. Well, what about the per, poor bastard who buys it? Yeah, yeah. You know? So that's something to consider, not just worrying about the Continental tires that have an actual recall because Continental cares and they, you know, they, they want to do a recall. What about this Amazon tire that will never have a recall? Why? Because it's not even on the NHTSA's radar. It's not even on the DOT's radar. It's not listed with anybody anywhere. And it's not like they're saying for not for on highway use or anything. It's, right. Yeah. It, it says DOT on it. It literally has the word DOT on it. So... Let's just, let's exercise just a wee bit of caution. Wouldn't be a bad idea. So anyway, thought I'd pull that up for you guys. Rock out with that. Um, interesting thing, Can-Am. Mm. We all like Can-Am. We all like the Canadians. 
Can-Am is part of Bombardier, right? Just watched the 1975 Motocross Super Bowl. <gasps> and it was first and second place winners were both riding Can-Ams. Damn. Damn. Yeah. Do you remember? That was a weird time because Can-Am and then Cannondale came out with um, dirt bikes too. Do you remember that? They had quads too. Well, Cannondale was this really late. Cannondale was in the 90s. Oh, 90s? Yeah, this what was 75. Say? I thought you said 95. 75. Oh, right. 75. Yep. Sorry, yep. sorry, sorry. Yeah. And I thought you said 95. Yeah, Can-Am has a very good motocross history. Uh, oh, yeah. Canada-America. That's right. That's exactly right. You stole my thunder on that one. Oopsie. No, you're good to go. Uh, so basically... Sorry about that there, eh? <laughs> Wouldn't that have been Canma? Uh, well, so 1972, Bombardier, which we talked about the history of Bombardier or Bombardier in this podcast. I like Bombardier. Yeah, I know, right? We talked about that because it was all about a guy whose daughter died because he couldn't get her through the snow to get to the doctor to get her help. Oh, wow, really? And so he invented the world's first snowmobile. Huh. Yep. Snow machine. Yeah. Right, exactly. And so in 1972, don't fuck with a bad thing, started making motorbikes, uh, uh, started making dirt bikes. To your thing, at mid-Ohio this year, I forgot to tell you this, this guy comes running up to me, he goes, hey... I was like, yeah. He goes, you guys are the video guys in the thing. I was like, yeah. He goes, you know, I like you guys because that John guy, he called it a snow machine. <laughs> <laughs> I always remind people. I always, I've always called it a snow machine. It's yeah. just the Canadian part of me, I guess. Words and matter. Yeah, yeah right. Words matter. Don't call it a record player. Yeah. So I thought that was hilarious, but um, yes. So, so there you go. Uh, can Am has been doing this for a very, very I'm surprised. long Usually time. Usually, I call it a snowmoblower. Snowmoblower. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that so, was your special name for me, John. Damn it! <laughs> well, yeah. And so long. You're more of a yeah. slowmoblower. <laughs> <laughs> so long time, long time before you know, there were Can Am spiders basically running around for people that are only aware of the past oh, good twenty Lord. years, mm. right? So long before that, Can-Am was the first motorcycle brought out by Bombardier, right? So Bombardier did a great job, and they brought out motorcycles. And it turns out, as John will be happy to tell you, they were fucking effective. Mm -hmm. They were great. Everyone loved them. They kicked mooch ass. And uh, so one of the things that was kind of cool about Can-Ams was uh, Can-Am motorcycles, right, uh, had kind of an interesting... Uh, an interesting relationship with a company called Rotex. Mm -hmm. And so you got a Can-Am motorcycle, you got a Rotex motor. And that's a thing that has always been like, you speak the word Rotex with, with a certain degree of, ah, Rotex. Um, I've got a military prototype motorcycle, 500cc single. It's got a Rotex in it, right? I've had a few uh, other pieces of equipment over the years. Rotex. I've is flown in a couple of ultralights that yeah. have had Rotex engines in them. Well, isn't there a lot of BMWs? Like all their non-boxer yes. motors and stuff are Rotex. Right? Rotex was the deal, right? I mean, and somehow they figured out how to make a 500-some-cc <laughs> two-cylinder, two-stroke, put out like 80, 90 oh, horsepower. It's I mean, mm -hmm. just the thing. And if you don't, if you're not, you know, if you weren't a Rotax person when you're growing up and you didn't understand what that was, do some research into it. You'll really find it's fucking awesome. 
but yeah, Rotex was the bomb and always was the bomb. And you always kind of like, we're like, that's pretty good. And uh, even to the point where there were products that shouldn't have been great. But instead of having Intel inside, they had Rotex inside. Yeah. So there's a nine, no, 2002 Scarabeo 150 scooter over there. And you're like, it's weird. It's Why doesn't it look like all the other 150 scooters? Because it's big. It's a very big scooter. It's a 150cc scooter on growth hormones. Yep. It's got big motorcycle tires and wheels. It's got a big fucking motorcycle exhaust. And it's powered by a 150 Rotex. And that it's got an oil dipstick you cannot find. You cannot find it. Forget about it. Yeah, you cannot find it. And it makes Rotax sounds. It always sounds like the valves are out of adjustment. <laughs> always. Even when you're just done adjusting the valves. Yeah. So, but here's the thing about it that big ass bike that is as big, if not bigger, than any 250 with a 150 will run down the freeway at a verified 73 miles an hour. It's a remarkably powerful mill in that scooter right and that's the that's everything i have experienced about rotax power fucking great man i've always felt that way a little bit about kawasaki i mean kawasaki always built their mm -hmm. bikes for a horsepower yeah you know and everybody said well that's because they have a landing strip they have a runway is their testing ground they only go in a straight line but, <laughs> and maybe that's the case but like their cams are lumpier it's just right. like they've always been made to be fast absolutely like that was their primary function uh we had a guy recently bring in a a, a 2009 or 10 honda crf 150 you'll never have a kawasaki that's tuned for the mid-range right right mm. and this dude brought in a, a honda crf 150 f 2009 it's four stroke and I jumped on the bike and I took it out and rode it. And I was like, oh, this will last forever, but it won't be exciting. And I rode the piss out of it. And I was like, oh, I mean, it looks like a Honda and, you know, and everything else. And it looks like a dirt bike. And I went out and the more I rode it, the more I was like, oh, this just, this needs 50% more power. And it has no brap. I mean, it just has no fucking brap. And yeah, I, I went and looked online. I was like, yeah, you got to pretty much put some money into this thing if you want to make it brap. Got to throw a kid on it. You, you do have to throw a kid <laughs> on it. So I Grab thought, a KLX though. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. KLX 150. Yeah, absolutely. Totally different experience. So I started looking into Rotax motors because I was like, yeah, you know what? I, man, yeah. So yeah, Rotax 912, uh, you know, four cylinder aircraft motors. Uh, 900cc triple snow machine motors. Ace turbo. Right. Turbo snow machine motors. Oh, right. I mean, Rotax has got some shit. They're all over the fucking place. I need that in a small boat. Right. And they even make these little gasoline powered motors that have massive dynamos hooked to them to be a two cylinder, 32 horsepower, you know, um, Range extender for your car, right? To give you more range in your electric-powered car. You put it in the trunk or something? Put it in the trunk. Right Come on, baby. on, really? Yeah, absolutely. And these big, these big four-stroke, 300, <laughs> 300 horsepower, three-cylinder Rotax marine engines, yeah. right? Oh, I mean, come on, baby. Bring it on. The more I looked into Rotax, the more I realized... Holy shit, this little Austrian company has got their shit together when it comes to... They got any lay-down motors? Well, 
as luck would have it, the more I dug into it, I found out something I just didn't know about. And I was completely, completely wrong about. You were flabbergasted. I was. Can-Am is Rotex. Oh. They're the same company. Hmm. So if you say Rotex, it's Can-Am. Oh. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, me So neither. I had no idea that that was even a thing. Why that, would they market it like that? Just to separate the power yeah. sports from like boats and So shit? Can-Am can sell these motors to anything because the name Rotex is so strong. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so you can have a Rotax motor in anything you fucking want, right? Any vehicle you want. Anybody. And that is exactly what it is. So Rotax is, in fact, part of the Bombardier family of things. Pretty fucking cool. I thought that was neat. I thought that was super, super cool. Now, here's why it kind of pops in onto the radar. Because, of course, Can-Am has announced that they are doing a electric-powered motorcycle. And I was like, well, that's interesting because Polaris Mm. is merged with or is using Zero to make some of their toys, like their ATVs and stuff, into electric powertrains. And Can-Am is also doing jet skis, personal watercraft, go-karts. And it turns out that Can-Am has been building a go-kart for a couple of years now that has just completely changed the world of go-karts. Yeah, super fucking cool. And that's neat uh, because Can-Am did buy Alta Motors. So oh. they've got the technology, oh. right? So oh, that's cool. Can-Am thought... bought Alta Motors in 2019. Was that Didn't Harley buy them originally? Mm-hmm. And then what? They dumped them? Well, that, no, no, he didn't buy them. They bought... The they intellectual property. dangled them yep. out there. Yep. They strung them along. And yep. then they said, oops, nope. Yeah. Uh, they basically they took, made them spend a exactly. lot of money. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. And then yep. said, nope. Yeah. They kind of fucked them. You kind of. Yeah. Kind of. I think that might be. Yeah. I think that might be the name of the game. So very interesting that. Yeah. So Can-Am is, is balling with this lineup of, you know, personal watercraft. Electric personal watercraft. Uh, it's very cool. Uh, I, I'm extremely excited because, again, I do want to look to that point in the future where I can take the electric motor out of my jet ski and put it into my motorcycle. This is so cool. And then Suzuki. And the batteries. Put the batteries, too. You yeah. know? Yeah. This is so interesting that Can-Am and all these people are moving so forward. And yeah. Suzuki announced today that the 2023 DR650 will have bold new graphics. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> there is something satisfying. <laughs> Bold new graphics. I had mentioned the uh, Vulcan 800 earlier. My yes, brother just got a freebie. Oh, he did? You get a free yeah. one? And I was just reading up a little bit on it. They've produced it from like 1985 to 2009. <laughs> 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 the ugliest bike ever. Was and it they- the Vulcan? The Cowie? No, or the Suzuki, no, 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 the Intruder uh, 800. Intruder 800. Yeah, the Intruder 800. And all they did on that was they were like, okay, guys, we're not calling it the Intruder anymore. Even we admit that was a bad idea. We're going to call it the <laughs> Boulevard. <laughs> so now yeah. it's the S40 Boulevard, yeah, or whatever. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> the Intruder. So I brought, up these, I brought up some images for you to check out because the go-kart, I watched some go-kart racing videos today <laughs> with guys in these electric-powered Rotaxes. 
oh man, oh, oh man, that's some shit. If you want to see a vehicle get from zero to 60 miles an hour in like 11 feet, watch some of these videos of electric Rotax powered go-karts. Are they like drifting and shit? <gasps> what? Yeah. Everything. Yeah. It's Tron. Damn. It's full on light cycle Tron shit. It is so fast. It's crazy That's fast. Cool. I would, after watching it and knowing, I mean, it's, it's kart racing. They've designed the motor and the batteries so the batteries can be recharged in like 90 minutes so that you don't have to miss heat races. Is it going to be like, um, like Ryobi where like the batteries cost a bunch, but then the individual <laughs> things are pretty cheap. <laughs> the batteries, that'd be fucking awesome. So this is, yeah. So this is the Ryobi lineup. But I think I that's going to, that's going to usher in a whole generation of DC generators. It sure is. It so you're sure going to have is. your generator with a big DC motor on it and right. you're going to be able to like, brr. So if you look at this lineup that they're, that Bombardier, BRP, so there you see the go-kart. There you see the personal watercraft. Yeah. There you see a Can-Am Spider. There you see luggage, uh, point of sale. There you see a three-wheeled scooter, a two-wheeled scooter, a two-wheeled motorcycle, and a maybe three- or four-wheeled golf cart contraption with a roll, roll cage? I'm thinking at least for the jet ski, imagine, okay, so here's your jet ski. Yep. Built into the trailer mm-hmm. is a DC generator. Bingo. So you take your jet ski out, yep. you bring it back in, yep. slide it up onto the trailer, yep. brr, let charge, it sit there for 90 it. minutes while right. you're you know, doing what you do. Right. Back out in the water. And there's no reason if, you don't, if you're running a Ford F-150 that you can't run an extension cord from your pickup truck to your boat on the trailer. You're talking about charging with a Lightning? I am. No, or the Lightning or the regular F-150 has the contractor pro package that has a crazy onboard power supply. Um, yeah, I don't know what, the, you know, I just don't know if that's just like a little 5,000 watt inverter or something. I think like it's a two twenty. it's, it's got good numbers. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. But I, in any case, it, it becomes the thing now. Good. It would do something. And it is one of my favorite things. Like the idea of electric watercraft is my chief complaint about going out and hanging out by the lake is that guy. Doesn't a lot of noise come from the impeller though? It's pretty. The impeller makes quite a bit of noise. Yeah, but I've seen. I've had electric boats and electric power personal watercraft go by me, and they're they're fucking quiet. But I mean, you could make the a zero motorcycles. I yeah. mean, like if you were had some riding area that we yeah. just that would be great for like oh my god dodging in and out of yeah. houses like pipelines where people yeah. normally would call the cops. You could yeah. just go whizzing through there, and nobody would really care. Yep. Go to a I, state but park. But I wonder. I have been. I have. I have tested that on my FX and the place where I got accosted by both homeowners and by police twice on my KLR or some other dirt bike. I was on the Husqvarna the one time I was on the KLR the other time. And like, I straight up had like Homeland security type thing. Cause I was going in the power lines cause right by my house. And I did that maybe a dozen times on the bike and got caught twice. I did that 30 times on the zero, nothing. I had one guy come out to me who was a homeowner and I thought he was going to yell at me, but he waved me down. So I'm not going to be an asshole. And I pulled up and as long as you don't have a bet, he told me that he knew it was legal for me to do it because the bike was electric. So he was wrong, but I don't (laughs) care. Right. Why would I care if he's wrong? Um, And I just agreed with him and he's like, I want to get one of those. And I'm like, you should, here's my card. 
Uh, <laughs> I sell them. As luck would have it, I sell this bitch. Can you imagine, though, you're on that, the electric water ski or whatever it is, jet ski? Yeah. And it turns into Oscar's Vespa. Ah. So, like, you're like, you're like, <laughs> you're stuck doing five and there's a storm coming in. You're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, they're, they're racing cart motors. So, just you guys know that the, the, the class, the moneymaker class in cart racing is the 125. The 125 shifter cart class. That's the moneymaker. And their shifter cart motor, liquid-cooled shifter cart motor, is a two-stroke, and it's 125 cc's with 34 horsepower. Okay? Like that in a motorcycle, like a, a small street, like take a Kawasaki or a CBR, like the 300, 200, you know, 250 class. Yeah. Put that in there, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Like, you're not kidding. And you talk about 34 horsepower at 12,000 RPM. Ooh. Yeah, sequential gearbox, right? Ain't nothing wrong with that. There's just nothing wrong with that. But wait, how much does it cost? Well, but more importantly, how little does it weigh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 65 pounds wow. Oof. for 34 horsepowers. That's pretty fucking incredible. I mean, that's that's pretty fucking incredible. Put that in a KE100 frame. Oh, yes. God. In, oh, my God. And the noise it would make. Okay. I could put that instead of the motor and put it in the RV. Right? Yeah. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. I don't know if I fully support that thing. <laughs> I, I see what you're doing and I get it. But I see what you're doing. The transmission right. is not happy. I don't want to break the case and do all this. It's too much work. Okay. Right. Yeah. Just make sure you save the original motor. Just I'm not going to smash it. Or the next guy who owns that bike. <laughs> <laughs> John's got oogles on my bike. Yeah, that. he does. I noticed. No, that. no, I'm right. just. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. tires take the power. Well, not not those. They're dry rotted and falling off. Right. When I get exactly. some good tires on it. They, yeah. Well, let's put it this way: they will take the power for a little bit. Yeah. For yeah. A yeah. <laughs> yep. Snap the stand. You will take the power and like it. Yes, you will. <laughs> and and you will like all of it. So I thought it was pretty cool though, because when you get into the the E twenty, right. So you get into the E20 now, um, that's 24 kilowatts, you know, which is, it's, it's very hard for people to kind of, to, to work with those numbers, right? Um, it is specifically designed to do a 10 lap race, which is fucking mm-hmm. hilarious. It runs at 350 volts, wow. which is a lot of volts. I mean, that is seriously. I mean, that's what a, a, a Ford Escape Hybrid is, yeah. has a 300 and something. Exactly. Yeah. It is a fucking monster. And when you start looking at stuff like that and you're going, okay, now we're talking about doing this kind of a motor platform, but doing it in a motorcycle. Right? Well, you know what else also, like if you watch, like I just, I was telling you before the podcast, I got sucked into this thing called Baby Driver. It's like a, it's, it's a, it's a docu-series about the little go-kart racers, you know? Right. But like the tracks that they have, when, and they're all two strokes with the muffler, but they're loud as fuck. They're yes. And so like, I bet you there'd be more opportunities for tracks if it was an all-electric track. People wouldn't get pissed. Of course. You could run that mm-hmm. shit at night. Well, day, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Know? I mean, I've gone to several electric indoor car tracks and stuff like that, and, yeah. and it's a blast. And these, these, they're great. They're not as fast as the E20. They're not as fast as the, you know, the Can-Am. Right. I mean, come on, for fuck's sake. Uh, that shit is insane. And so that's kind of that, that sort of capitalizing on... The extreme lightweight, you know, the entire cart, the the entire, the electric cart, their race cart, which you should watch the videos, they're fucking mental, 
But the entire cart weighs about 250 pounds. Carbon fiber. 260 pounds. Well, I think that's the weight limit of the class. It probably is. Yeah. So they probably just squeeze as much battery as they can into it. Yep. Right? Keep the weight limit. Yeah. And I was very impressed by like that idea, that overall concept of just like... (laughs) I wonder what the... The, the, the race techs, when they come over to the electric one, they're like, what size is your restrictor plate? We have a restrictor plate limit. Ah. <laughs> You're like, whatever size you want it to be, buddy. <laughs> it's, it is a serious, it's a serious advantage when you're racing and competing and you've got that kind of torque and that kind of instant fucking power. Yeah. Uh, it's well, and yeah. also think about it. Like, so with engines, you know, like uh, ice engines, mm-hmm. like the best tuner, you could go and you could port it. You could do all kinds of sneaky shit to like try to make it a little bit faster. Yeah. Like a stock class of electric things, they could really lip, like make it a fucking like stock class. Like everything would be exactly the same speed. Oh, yeah. You know? A- absolutely. That way you're really letting the drivers kind of ball it out with the same machines. Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree. It's of, I mean, kart racing is also, it is the gateway drug for all the other forms of motorsports. Absolutely. No questions asked. Um, it's loved by adults and children alike. I mean, we used to do, we used to race scooters and bikes on cart tracks, you know, mm-hmm. 10 turns in one mile. It's a fucking blast. It really is. When you see that application of power and n- nobody can catch it, you know, that's cool. That's great. Um, it, it's exciting. That's that's neat. And I oh, think look at all the batteries. They had like little radiators on top of the batteries. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Well, they're liquid cooled. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the batteries are liquid cooled. The motor's liquid cooled. The motor's got a big ass. You got a three hundred and fifty goddamn volt motor right there. That's insane. I mean, if you just want to, I mean, fuck Mario Kart. Yeah. This is on. <laughs> this is on. This is mental. And it looks as so fucking substantial. Hell. That looks like yeah. badass, man. It does look badass. I want. I, I. I want to try that. I know. I'm very excited about that. So yeah. So that's something that I thought, man, wouldn't it be fun if we could dick around with a little bit with that? Yeah. So yeah, I do have. I do have serious wants and needs regarding that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I'd like to try it because I've tried shifter carts and they're blast, mm-hmm. but they're only a blast above 10,000 RPM. Mm-hmm. So like the motor's a very short-lived motor. You know, the whole thing is all about super high RPMs. It's a sequential gearbox and you're fighting the, to keep the thing in the right power band. Otherwise you lose all the power. So if you're, if you blow a corner and you're in fourth gear, you're in the wrong gear and you blow the corner and you want to go back to the gears to get to the gear you need to be to get going again, eight people have passed you. And every time I've tried it, I've always looked like a fucking shemp because I can't hold it together. And the idea is if you keep the, the thing on the pipe and you maintain that, carry that velocity through the 10 turns that are happening in a mile, that's like a turn every fucking second when you're driving it. It's so cr- crazy to what drive. Were you, say, you were saying don't hit, don't downshift, just hit the kill switch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't so, let off the yeah. throttle. Yeah. So I really <laughs> am interested in that. So, you know, this is crazy. So these you sit up in. Yeah. But yeah. you know Ray Hung, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Him and yeah. his brother, his brother was like international kart champion or whatever. Oh, really? But the ones that they like, they r- drove, you know, they're 120 mile an hour carts. Yes. But yeah. they like, you completely lay down. Like the yeah. only thing is your head is your nose. Luge mm-hmm. uh, position. Yeah, oh. it's fucking crazy. Like F1 stuff? Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. And now Ray races Spec Miata. Yeah, right. But he got mashed yeah. last week, so he's a little upset. You know what I've noticed about that? Uh, it's more expensive than I thought. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anybody who's ever said, you know, just get a little Miata, go out on the track, it's cheap. 
No, it's no. not. I mean, this is cage and stuff he had put in was yeah. thousands. And then like he's always like, I got my crack, and I'm like, what? And he's like, there's some rich guys that use tires like one session and sell them. Oh yeah. So then he gets the tires for like you know half off, but you know he goes and buys eight sets of tires. Last week though, this is what sucks. He put all yeah. that time and money, and like you know he he had a garage uh, thing to set the kick up camber cast, all this stuff, right? Oh okay, yeah. And so he did all that work. He was out racing, and some this guy I guess they've had problems with. Okay. Just blew through the start, like like they all were heading to the first or second turn or something. This dude came down the middle, blew through the braking area, and just slammed into him, bent like every fucking possible thing on the entire car. Like all his A-arms and shit, all the bearings, everything's all fucked up. What the fuck? And they didn't red flag him or anything, and he was uh, done. And, you know, yeah, and, so. and you know, that's the thing. I, okay, you know, I don't want to wanna rain anybody else's parade, but I can't swing it. I just can't. Expensive, I can't go out there and like load everything up and haul ass. I've done it. Merritt and I went out. We both fucking crashed. I crashed in practice like a dipshit, right? <laughs> At least she crashed in a real race. Yeah. But we drove 10 hours home. She's got a broken shoulder. I got a broken wrist and a couple of broken ribs. And we're, our both, both our bikes are fucked, right? <laughs> Add a- insult to injury. It was cold. It was miserable. It was raining. And we got to drive 10 hours home in the van. Yeah. Both hurting like a son of a bitch. And she's like, yeah. She goes, my hip's never really been right after that crash. It was 25 fucking years ago, yep. you know, and your hips never been right after the crash. What the shit? I still have pins and nails and metal and screw and rods in my leg from racing. And you know how much money I earned doing racing? None. Well, if you ever. add, well, you can add racing anything. anything, anything that you do. Bicycles. Oh, you're a bicycle racing expensive. Yeah. RC right. cars. Anything. Oh, you're racing expensive. Yeah, it doesn't matter yeah. what you do. It's yeah. that at the time. Pro karting and axe throwing. So there's targets along the track. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's in Medina. So we is, went yeah. there. Well, this is the one, yeah, Brook Park. Oh, so okay. this is the Brook, the Brook Park one. So this is a guy that, that they, they do the electric carts here. They're the boss carts. Um, you know, and it's not that, I mean, it's fast, but it's not that fast. I say 50 miles an hour. Yep. Yep. That's about right. Yeah. I've done it before. It's fun. You go in there. I mean, indoor 50 is pretty good. The axe throwing part is Camaro, but the, uh, <laughs> It's for some, like, I love the, the marketing suggestions. So the boys are out racing the shifter cart or the electric carts while the girls are throwing hatchets. Fair enough, right? But yeah, that's, that's what it is. So there you have it. That's what they're doing. They're basically doing that. But I just, I love the idea of, I've been to this place. It's a money grab. Like, it's so easy to drop 150 bucks on this place racing oh, yeah. the electric isn't carts. It, isn't it like 10 bucks a lap or something? It or? comes out, you you basically buy a package when you went in there. And I, I kind of said, I'm going to limit myself to $100 worth of fun because it was a winter snowy day. And there were a dozen other people there. And You want to be corporate sponsored when you go there. And, well, what I did was after my 100 bucks worth of fun, I got competitive. <laughs> and it's like being competitive at the strip club. It costs you a lot of money mm. to be competitive. But they've got a bar in there. So if you look, you can, you can get liquored up and drive the carts. Um, there was a place in um, Columbus we used to go called Speeds, and those were uh, alcohol-powered 125, 125cc carts or 50, whatever size the Do motors were. Do you remember were. Malibu Grand Prix down there? Yeah. The Indy cars? Yeah, well, that was outdoors. Yeah. Speeds was indoors. Oh, okay. Yeah, Speeds was indoors. You can go to Speeds in the wintertime. Malibu Grand Prix was no joke. I used to have a, a membership card. I'd go down yeah. there. They were 70-mile-an-hour fucking... Formula One cars. Yeah, they were they were really interesting go karts at, at at Malibu. Yeah, and they were really funny because you knew damn well 
that they had several of the carts that were just fucking not restricted. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> you could sort of bribe the guy to give you an unrestricted cart and damn near roll the thing over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But you know what's crazy is uh, I was down there. I mean, obviously, I don't even know if they're still there, but this is like 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. But, like, I got pretty decent. You know, I was getting some good lap times yeah. and some of the other guys were. And then, like, I don't want to say Mario Andretti, but somebody of that status. Like, right. you know, like some big IndyCar guy came. Yep. And, like, his lap time was, like, 15 seconds faster than everybody. You're just like, how? Like, how does this guy do this? Like, how is he that fast on this fucking Michel Jourdain came down to the speeds in Columbus when yeah. Scott Smallwood and I and our, our whole group of mid-American scooter sport uh, racers, all of the guys that were legit okay decent racers it was snowing so we were like fuck it let's go to speeds so we went to speeds and we're all out there throwing down some pretty respectable lap times and like we said this motherfucker m jordan just blew us all away and we were like this who who it's not you it's not me we know all eight of us there's only three other people in here because it's a work day all right who the fuck is this M. Jordan guy? And then we look over and it's the guys with the Rolexes and shit. And I, one of us walks over and we're like, so who's the guy with the, with the 21 second lap time? Yeah. And they're like, oh, that's Michelle Jordan, Formula One racer for Team Ray Hall. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, fuck you. Yeah. Right? Makes you feel better though. At least. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. Right, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That, that's exactly better right. Better than Timmy. He's never driven a car before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try to take him out when he laps me. That's a good one. Yeah. I like that one. Yeah. That, that's a pretty good one. Uh, a race is 22 bucks and the race is seven minutes long. So that gives you an idea. Yeah. You can get it down to 20 bucks per race, but the race is seven minutes. And that's why I got the five race package. So the five race package, I think cost me like a hundred bucks or something. And I blew through the five race package way too fast. And seven minutes, remember seven minutes times five, 35 minutes for a hundred bucks. That's more expensive than psychology. <laughs> not, not as expensive as some yeah. of the houses I've been doing. Right, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's it costs a lot more than pinball, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm bad at pinball. But it was it was pretty pretty fucking spooky how quickly I went through a lot of money really quick. Uh so anyway, just thought you'd like that. Thought you'd get a, a kick out of that one. Yeah. The uh we did want to say Moto Hop uh sent us a message. They're one of our Patreons, yeah. <laughs> and so of course we ran into Moto Hop at Ran into Moto Hop at AMA Vintage Days. And also fuel. ran into him at Fuel. Yep. And so here's the deal. He says, it was great meeting everybody and finally putting faces to names. In some cases, glad I decided to finally go to Vintage Days. Definitely looking at Ooh. camping next year. Good nice. camping. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you might get visited by the fucking bourbon fairy. Oh, yeah, no I was, shit. I, was, I, was I can make all your bourbon dreams come true. <laughs> dude, I, I was working on, I'm about halfway done with the Mid-Ohio video. I've just been kind of busy. Bourbon oh, yeah, yeah. gives you wings. <laughs> I got to that part. And this guy, I didn't. I forgot that we filmed this because I, I think we were all in a good mood at that point. This guy comes running up. He's like, I love you, Bourbon Fairy. And he's like hugging you. <laughs> well, we were hanging out in the RV, which was one of my favorite moments yeah, there. Yeah. Like, or drinking uh, mudslides oh, in the yeah, RV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guys come pounding on the door and lined up. They're like, Bourbon, Bourbon Fairy, where are you? We need our but, it was, but it was like, it was in the afternoon. You're like, he doesn't come out until it's dark. Right, what are you yeah, doing, right, man? Yeah. yeah. No shit. Here you are, my children. 
Nice. <laughs> you did hose them. Yeah, you did. A little something and squirt it in their mouth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. I don't even know how they did this. Maybe Kromke can tell us how they did it. But the world's biggest bottle of single malt whiskey sold for 15,000 pounds. Right? 15 grand. Look at the size of this bottle. Damn. I mean, I got to say, that's a Based big... Just, um, you know, that's not like super expensive no, 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 it's, but it's the lot. biggest it's a, bottle. It's novelty, right. Right. Yeah. right. It's the biggest bottle. How much would that weigh? That has to be like 600 pounds. Let's or find right? out. I'm sure there's more information in here. So it is 105. Doesn't it weigh 15,000 pounds? It's 105 liters, uh, right? And it weighs 396 pounds. Oh, okay. Right. So, um, you know, that's, that's even, even with bad math. You know, uh, we're going to break it down to the price per pound. What is 15,000 divided by 396? It is 50 a liter. Well, what it is, is it's uh, almost $40, 40 pounds per pound. (laughs) Mm. It's 40 pounds per pound. So what's a dram? Is that a shot? Yeah, we, yeah, 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 it's yeah. A, it's not in our standard. We wouldn't consider it to be a shot. Well, it says it's got 5,250 drams in the bottle. Yeah, and that's to make you feel good because then you're like, oh, then it's only three pounds a dram. Right. Right, which isn't, I've paid more for a dram. Yeah. You know, so it's like, oh, that's a deal. But it's not a deal, mm-hmm. you know. So they said it's 150 stand, standard bottles of whiskey hmm. with a 7.8 inch cork. So they're going to open it or what? Well, it's up to the owner, I suppose. That's all I want to know. Yeah, right. It's well, up they to gave the him the complimentary little bottle, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he can refill that at will. How do you even tip that son of a bitch? Mm-mm. Right? I mean, that becomes that becomes a horribly... Well, what you do is you have a metal shot glass on a stick, and you have to stick it down, and you just pull it up. Kind right, like right, right. like a well thing yeah. or something. Yeah, you know? that's exactly it. I just but, throw that thing on a porch swing, and you'll be fine. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that would almost be like boat agent. So how uh, many times would that fill the bourbon fairies? Oh, jeez. Oh, yes. yes. I'd, yes. I'd have to get, like, a gas-powered spray yeah. for that. Dude, that yeah. might be the next a wagon. Up. Yeah. A wagon. Can you imagine? It was amazing that people sucked on what we had. Can you imagine... Oh yeah! The pressure washer, pressure sprayer. Yeah, it could make it better. Oh, yeah. for, I mean, I don't know whether I want to make it better for people or not. You know, yeah. I, oh, no. I, I, I kind of like that little jet of bourbon. Just yeah, yeah. I do too. You got to suffer think, to get the the reward. Man. I think your delivery system has that's perfect. Yeah, the the yeah. the subtle nuance of like being served via a garden's. Sprayer. I do want to get something that's really proofy, though. So the like, because the campfire thing would have been great. There were a couple okay. of times yeah. when people had a campfire, like, oh, oh. Nice. I was say, yeah. being able to like, this year have we should make flammable. sure like nothing below about ninety six proof. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Well, like, we need to curate the whiskeys that go into that. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Like, yes, you do, Dan. This is you do. This go into Wisconsin next week. This I'm was a proof of concept year. I'm gonna get some whiskey. Dude, it was a proof of concept year. Next year, we bring the hammer. Next year, it's going to be... Old okay. Granddad 114. Oh, we need some strobe. Well, what about that Old Forester 100 proof? That's the other one. That, so, that yes. 44 bucks for a... Uh, yep, uh, for a handle. For a handle. For a well, there handle. you go. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, you're right. The Old Forester is 44 bucks for a fucking handle. 
that's a good deal. I mean, that is a very, very good deal. Um, yeah, that's you can't beat that. Yeah, Old Forester. There you go. Signature, one hundred proof. You get to drink from so, the bourbon hose. I have Damn. I have a motorcycle question for yeah. you guys. Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, what about mellow corn? Ooh, I don't know what that is. That's a hundred proof. That oh. doesn't sound very quality. Yeah. yeah. Mellow corn. Yeah. Mellow um, corn. All right, nineteen seventy six Honda mm-hmm. produced a whole bunch of seven fifties. Right, right. So you have like the K series, which obviously they're worth a lot and people yep. like them and stuff. What about the non K series, the Suzuki looking ones? Like the one with like this, you know, like it has like like on my bike has that back part to it, and it's kind of a flatter tank. Which so, what, you're what, talking about the Super Sport? That's yes. what, yeah, exactly. Yeah, seventy six. Yeah, seven fifty Super Sport. Right. Yeah. How's the value? So a friend of mine, well, Mike, he he found one. It's you know sitting there, and right. I think it's like two grand. It's really nice shape yep. and stuff like that. I told him probably fifteen hundred to two grand would be reasonable, but like mm-hmm. they they're not popular, right? No. They're not they're not getting a lot of the the squirrels for some reason. The CB750F. F, that's it. Right? F, yep. Just did not hit it the way that the CB750K did. Right. And they're the same motor, mm-hmm. right? Instead of a 4 into 2 or 4 into 4 exhaust, it's a 4 into 1 exhaust, right? right. Um, so you already got your headers. You already got your headers. They're already there. It has the little boat tail or, you know, the, you know, plastic maggot. See, I kind of like that, man. Some people do, some people don't. I kind of like it, right? too. right. And so I had a choice of buying one of those for right. 500 bucks or going mm-hmm. to Germany. Oh, I ended up going to Germany. Went to Germany. Uh, yeah, fair enough. I wish I'd have bought the bike. No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the 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 754 Super Sport, it's it is it is enough like a 750K, but they just never peaked. They never hit the price wagon. They they just didn't do it. Now, the frame is a great frame. There's fucking nothing wrong with it. It's, it's, it's a good bike, and I've owned a couple of them. I like the like the seventy eight and seventy nine, where they're mm-hmm. like brown. And yeah, the brown ones. Yeah, the little chevron kind of decals. Yep. Yeah, the one yeah. he was looking at was like that one picture was red with the black covers, mm-hmm. the side covers. Right there, those brown and orange. Ones. These ones, yeah. yeah. This one right here. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, that's the purple. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's the purple. So, but yeah, they are. They're just a thing, and they didn't. They did not do it in the collector market. Do you think it's going to have its time though, since there's less and less of the other K models laying around? Of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It'll come into its own. And I still think that wouldn't kick one out of bed. No, no definitely. No. no. I, mean, I, I have to admit though, I like it with the wire wheels when they went to the com, com stocks or whatever. They're, they're, mm-hmm. eh, yeah. The com stars. Yeah. This is the burgundy and orange one that John was talking about. The com stocks. So the, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. The 78 had the com stars. Com something. Yeah. The com stars. So yeah. the 78 had the Comstars and had the big fucking ridiculous DOT agricultural taillight on it. Um, but by the 78... The same taillight that got the CX-500 branded the plastic the maggot. Plastic maggot. Yep, exactly. <laughs> the whole back. Because look at the back of this fucking thing. You know, if you look at the back of this motorcycle, it's a sex crime. Okay, you got this ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous long fender. Okay, and it is it is true. The The... The, the back Every, fender is terrible. Everything that you're saying about this can right. be said about my GS850 because it looks exactly and you're, the same. And, and, <laughs> and you're right. And on your motorcycle when it had a square headlight, even worse. I didn't have a square. No, no not, yeah, yeah, 83 did. 83 yeah, did, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So 83 did. So the differences are the CB750F had the rear disc brake. Yes. Which is not really an award. It's not anything to brag about. <laughs> 
because it's arguably one of the worst disc brakes ever put on a motorcycle. Instead of having a single front disc on the K model, it had dual front discs. But again, these are two of the worst calipers with a hockey puck inside of it that are the worst front brakes I've ever had on a motorcycle. Having the extra front brake on the front of a F instead of a K is just one other source of squeaking. <laughs> it's just one more thing that just squeals anytime you're going under 20 miles an hour. Nice. You couldn't make these brakes stop good. There was just no way to do it. Throw them away and put some real brakes on it. Get rid of the forks entirely. The forks are made of lasagna. <laughs> They're just, they were garbage from the day they were new. Like 27 millimeter forks on a they fucking are. 600 pound It's fucking pound ridiculous, <laughs> right? And the headlight is a solid eight inches higher than it needs to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. Okay. Yep. And the handlebars are a solid 12 inches higher than they need to be. No, wait, is that on, this is the 78. This is the 78. So the 76 looked better, right? It did. Okay. So the 76 had lower bars. Wait, it had, right. Is this, the 78 is the one that fucking Squiggy or whatever his name was said that it was time to get them now, right? Is that the the, the thing he was? I don't know for sure, but I can, I can assure you that of the flock of them, they did eventually pick up a little bit of styling when you get to, I think, wasn't it 80 when they had the, the little kick tail, like the 900F? Well, you, like the the black and orange. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm yeah. talking about. Those are yeah. cool, yeah. 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 That's those, what Nick rode his last night. But those were never yeah, great. Yeah. They had a lot of head gaskets. Yes, that, they nice did. Yeah, yeah, this is really right. nice. And that's the, that's the downside. So when you get into all these. And those are not single. Overhead. These are dual overhead cams, and you're going to have problems. And you're not picking <laughs> up that big of a power difference. So when you do get into the it's last... It's not easy to adjust your balance. It is not. It is absolutely not. I am not a fan of the dual overhead cam motor. I think that for what it's worth, for that fucking six horsepower, stick with the single overhead cam motor and per, and forget saying you have a superbike. Stop saying a CB750 is a superbike. I understand that was published in one article, one place, one time, and Honda ran with it. It was for one year, one, 1969. <laughs> it was exactly right. It was a superbike. Right. The, it was a superbike. Until the, the right. cows, until, until 73. Anything else came along. But it, by <laughs> today's modern standards, and I mean, and I hate to say modern standards like that's a thing, but by today's modern Chinese cheap bike standards, these things are slow. Yeah. Um, I've never in my life got onto a perfect running CB750, whether it was a single overhead cam or a dual overhead cam, and been anything else other than like, uh, yep, here we are. <laughs> they will eventually get to over 100 miles per hour, but they don't get there in a hurry. You know, 78 was the last year you could get a single overhead cam. It's, I think it's the last one you want to have. Because the second it went to a double overhead cam, then you open up a, a giant bag of shit when it comes to, one, problems with the motor, two, okay, you're going to adjust your own valves. Have fun with that. I think I figured it out. So yeah. in 76, that was just Honda, right? Yeah, in yeah. 78, they got some Bozuka fucking guy to put that <laughs> headlight on it. Because yeah, now that I'm looking... It's still pretty high. If looking at the 75... Yeah, that but it's not one. that bad. Yeah, looking at the 75, it's, not, it's no, it's it's no piece there, of work. It's but the 78, but you look at this. Yeah, you look at that one, that's an 80, right? That high. headlight's pretty fucking high up there, buddy. The 78 was the worst, I think, though. <clears throat> I think you're right. I think, well, because that was the last. That Everybody was the likes KZ900s. I always like the KZ650. Sure. Yep. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. The four the cylinder. four hundred too yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah, but no. I mean, no, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> this but I've never. I'll tell you what's cool and what's not. The power to weight ratio on any old generation single overhead can Honda motor it, it's it's not great, you know. But you know, but what I always used to argue is, you know, you could go out on a, an old CB750. Yep. And it is one of the vintage bikes that will keep pace with modern traffic. It does. Yeah. It'll yeah. still do yep. 75, 80 yep. mile an hour all yep. day long. All day long. Yep. Absolutely. And top speed is like 125. I'm yeah, sorry. it is. It, it, it takes a while it, to get there. It takes it a while to get, get there. there. Yep. It, it does absolutely go that speed. Making 60, 70 horsepower when it came out yep. was a big deal. Yep. Yeah, it was. It absolutely was. And I've done the whole thing where it's like I, my 78 my seven. I pulled this up because my seventy-eight definitely set one hundred and forty miles an hour on the clocks, and we had the one hundred and fifty mile an hour speedometer. And one of these two gauges is a work of fiction. So <laughs> the uh, the tack I would routinely run that bike to over ten thousand RPM. No questions asked. That thing was a sweet. You're allowed motor. to go past the red line if yep. you're in fifth. Gear. In fifth gear, exactly. I read my manual. It told me I could go over the red line in fifth gear. That being said, if you're in fifth gear, it takes a while. It was not known for that, like, man, this thing's going to really make some power when it gets up around 10,000 RPM. Because I think it made probably made most of its power around 7,000 RPM. And the higher you went after that, the power, the torque curve dropped off dramatically. So it would do it, but you weren't moving real fast. And it was also aerodynamically challenged. It wasn't a particularly <laughs> slippery bike. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, when you talk about the inline, you know, the, the F, right? Yeah. This one, I've had people straight up tell me that the 1979 CB750F with the, Honda, with the Honda line fairing was one of the sexiest bikes ever built. And I can only tell you that you are wrong. <laughs> that body line, like the, the design of this thing, and some people have said, oh, it's a CBX with two cylinders cut off. Nope, it's not. No. I've owned them. It is definitely not. What are the pinstripes pointing to down there? Well, that's like what I was the chain say. guard. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what that looks like? That looks like when you get a model kit and it comes with three different um, uh, graphics things, yes. but you're a kid, yeah, so you yeah. put them all you on. You put them all on. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, a, that's a the 79 CB 750 F was death by graphics. Yeah, it really was. Hey, so I got to put it, put a line there. Well, Another I think one. it's funny that there's the word super sport on the tank. And then one inch away from where it says super sport on the tank, it says super sport on the fairing. Well, cause you, you have to know what it is. I know. <laughs> Fairings covering that up. Yeah. That giant rifle fairing. It's not taking any chances of letting well, you and forget. the headlights. I think it's even higher on that. Well, Look the headlight. That. So <laughs> if you, this is a fun one too. If you ever, so you know, I've had a little bit of experience with these. If you ever take a look at these, if you look behind the headlight here, there's another headlight there. Oh, it's like a Vetter Fetter. And the reason you have the other headlight there, John knows, is because every inch of electrical wiring in the entire machine is in that headlight. Yeah, you can't take it out. So you can move the bulb out here, mm -hmm. but you need to keep the headlight basket in well, there. What they never do is they should have made like a block off plate. Yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, yeah. So a plate that after you yep. take your headlight out and install it in the fairing, yep. it has a little hole in it to let 
an extension to go put in there yeah, yeah, yeah. Just right. and then a nice right. little plate so all your yeah. wiring stays nice inside oh, that headlight. God. Yeah, yeah. One yeah. simple little piece of plastic. Yep. Yeah. And that's what a super bike looked like, friends, in 1979. And I'm sorry to say. But then they came up with a CB900 that looked like that. And Yep. The CB900F Super Sport. Yep. And, you know, and that was just, that was an era that Honda went through. The only one I ever saw was smoking badly. Oh, uh, uh, yes. But how did right. they go from a CB400 Super Sport that was sexy and awesome to all this shit? Well, I mean, add like, plastic. Yeah. Because when you look at, you know, arguably what we can all agree upon is a very handsome little motorcycle. Yes, sir. The CB400F. It is a very handsome little motorcycle. And it also wears the badge of being the first real sport bike. Or the first real cafe racer, because the, the term kind of was coined. Now, there's a lot of things about that motorcycle that are very, 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 very sexy. I can also tell you, it is also not fast. Mm-hmm. If you jump on this motorcycle and think like, I'm going to blast my way up to 100 miles per hour, you might get to 100 miles per hour. It's not going to be blasting. You got to have a whole lot of revs, and it does eventually get there. There were people talking about how, like, a, a CD-175 yeah. could blow away a CB-400. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It's all based on terminal gearing. Yeah. yeah. And the CB-400F was another motor. Very happy to go over 10,000 RPM. By 1977, they'd pretty well gone and fucked it up. Uh, all the beautiful things that happened in 75 and 76. By 77, the bike had just gotten beaten with the ugly stick the squiggly headers i mean that's just hard. the four into one pasta headers are just brilliant by by any modern standard they're fucking fantastic did they keep it in the same years they still only came in three colors right uh red yellow and blue, blue. Yeah. yeah red yellow and blue i've had all of them and the most disheartening of all of them was in fact the yellow one which the 77 came in yellow 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 or yellow and the in uh, crime of all crimes, this particular one I'm pulling up has the does not have the original. Get rid of that exhaust and put a Mac on it. They got rid of they got rid of one of the best looking exhausts in the world, which it probably rusted out. To be honest, it probably rusted out, and they put a Mac on it. And but this bike shows you the sins. Look at how high the handlebars are. Yep. They put the dopey little flip over gas cappy thing off of the you know those 1980 style Hondas that has a little door where your gas goes. They put one of those on there that didn't need to be there. Again, ridiculous, awful rear taillight, because you know the taillight should be at least three feet off the back of the motorcycle. And the turn signals that were literally off of the Honda Goldwing. (laughs) Those turn signals are fucking four inches in diameter, if they're anything. 76 turn signals got really big. They got gigantic, and that would take 10 miles an hour off the bike alone. (laughs) The fucking ridiculous turn signals. This bike, I had the 75, the 76, had a a bunch. I used to collect these things like crazy. And then I got the 77 and I was like, oh, what the fuck happened to this? And you can see the previous owner on this one did the Mac 4 into 1 and they did the carb update, got rid of the airbox. Um, They got the Mycunis on it. So, yeah, these were not real fast. (laughs) These were, they had the word super sport on the side, but there was nothing super or sporty about them. You know, that was that was it. Really? What? No. <laughs> um, hold on, wait. Our friend. Um, oh shit. Okay, wait. Who's the guy that did Dale Walker? There we go. Hold on. Oh, you're gonna love this, guys. 
Here it is. Pulling it up for your pleasure. There it is, my friend. Wheelie? Yep. Dale Walker got his start racing 400cc Honda CB400Fs. Dale Walker of whole shot racing fame started racing CB400Fs. Won his first national event in 1976 on his Honda 404. He swept the street eliminator class and beat Vic Force, the reigning four-time national championship, on a 400cc bike. Guy's name was he Dick must have Force. geared that down so much and just revved the shit out of it. Can you? I mean, I'm telling you, I tried every which way to wheelie a CB400F, and I could not wheelie. That was a 50% reduction in gearing and then just wringing its nuts off at the end of the trip. <laughs> it only had mile. to make a quarter mile. So yeah, it only had sure. to make a quarter mile. So whatever you did, it had to make a quarter mile. But the fact that there's Dale Watson with no, or Dale Walker, with no wheelie bars, not a wheelie bar to be seen. It had a one-tooth front sprocket. <laughs> <laughs> I got to give the guy credit. He's wheeling a CB400F. I don't think I could ever... I think that bike had an torque. Yeah. <laughs> I, think it, I think it just had one torque. Dude. It had a six-speed gearbox. Yeah. It needed a nine-speed gearbox. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's what, that's what that bike is. And that bike, I think that might be the only picture in existence of somebody wheeling a CB400 well, if you look F closely, there's only two inches of gap between the rim and his rear sprocket. That is also true. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is also true. I'll bet you his suspension is welded stiff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's a spring anywhere to be found on that bike. So I take it back. He had a 58... 58- the tooth rear sprocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what he did. You're right, right. Yeah. I totally agree. And so that is a funny thing that we should bring up, go to the deep dive on that one. So that's pretty fucking badass. I, I dig that. Dale Walker on a CB400F. How did you know badass. that name? Dale Walker? Yeah. Because I've bought tons of stuff from him. Uh, so I've, I, you know, I used to be a fucking bandit idiot. Like I, I love bandits and I've had, I've put the full Dale Walker whole shot kit on two different bandits that I loved and it totally changes the personality of the bike. Hmm. And, but also by getting to know Dale Walker and, you know, talking to his, his, uh, talking to him about his racing history and everything else. I, you know, I remembered that CB 400 F was the his, first bike he jam. ever won a championship on. Wow. <gasps> pretty cool. I mean, I think it's pretty cool. I'm, I'm into that kind of shit. It amazes me how brains work. It, like, it is. We bring this up and like your brain's like, Hey, I got some info. <laughs> like seriously when's the last time you thought of that dude yeah when was the last time i had to conjure up that piece of fucking information yeah right yeah that's absolutely true do we have any uh hate mail you know what i was trying to get some hate mail oh. i was actually i was a little bit trolling for some hate mail no no uh no uh, uh pictures come in on the old uh, hotline there some naked naked girls on the blower. Just asking. Yeah, just, just questions. Saying. I mean, if they yeah. want. Yeah, just just, just saying. Asked, just saying. Yeah. Might, you know, might, the, the just have a conversation. Hate mail more, coming in on a blower. You know, why not? <laughs> 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 That's uh, uh, give me one second. I'm gonna pull something up real quick. John's a little salty that we're not getting any hate mail. Man. Yeah, he, he loves that we'll shit. See what would generate some okay, hate so mail. our buddy Patty. Yeah. Remember Patty from AMA Vintage Days? Sure, sure. Yay! He said, I once heard Scott describe as what plays in a 13-year-old kid's head when he gets extra mozzarella sticks. Eh, it's not wrong. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. I, I think I kind of agree with that. Um, all right. So. A little hurt. Yeah, a little, little hurt. That's okay. 
Too close to home. Hey, don't watch the Mid-Ohio video. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, okay. All right. Here it goes. There might be a trombone involved. I don't know. Okay, hate mail. It's not actually hate mail, though. It's more of an a, a, a good question. And I think this is cool. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into the beginning of it. We could, we could fire it up afterwards. First of all, just so everybody can see. Hey. He paid the price of admission. Nice. Nice dick pic. I'll disseminate it to the crew privately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nobody, yeah. nobody out there needs to see it. Legit. But it's legit. Right? Well, now you just turn it toward <laughs> the camera. So. To the- <laughs> <laughs> hey. All right. All right. <laughs> All right, give me a second, and I'll, 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 I'll. We can edit that out, right? Give me a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. The only thing I worry about those is before I oogle them too much, I just need to verify that it's you know real, like not (laughs) like. Oh, really? Well, it could be a dude with chick. You know what? Maybe we should do that. We need to have. If you're gonna send us something (laughs) like that. You have to just, say four just, Cleveland Moto guys. I just did. Okay, okay. it's gone. You're just trying to right. sucker me in. I'm trying to sucker like, you in. Right? Yeah, you like those boobs? Yeah, that's got a dick. <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah. Still nice boobs, though. Yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah, right, right. Sure. Can't, can't, can't argue about that. End of the day, All you right. know. Hey. I'd motorboat them. Yeah, fair, fair enough. All right. Ready? You guys ready? Mm. Okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> this one's technical, so this is going to get, this is going to get, this is directed to Johnny Mac. The Honda Whisper. Mm. Okay. All right. Oh, boy, here we go. Okay, so I I made a comment about that being Peloton. Peloton? That that particular body yeah. mm-hmm. was not... God didn't make that. Peloton mm-hmm. made that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a Peloton thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, we talked a little bit about his Honda Dream and that he was getting random spark on his 64 Dream He'd ride it for like three miles, then it would die. Then about 10 minutes later, it'd fire back up and run for about 15 seconds and die. And he checked the timing, cleaned the points, changed out his rectifier from his other dream, new battery, still getting low running voltage, which I believe is causing the issue. So that, that was where we left him last time. Mm. And uh, so there you go. He says, about three hours outside of mid-Ohio, I, I figured it'd be a good, uh, good time to shoot you gentlemen a message. I'm doing a little road racing this weekend, and unfortunately, I could not justify coming out here twice in two weeks to join you guys at Vintage Days. It did sound like you guys had a hell of a time, and I hope your ass is healing. Keep it tight. (laughs) For the record, I pulled my own stitches out three days ago. Yeah. Okay, game on. How'd you get your teeth down there? Hey, you know. (laughs) Pilates. Pilates, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Bust out the reformer. (laughs) He pulled out all of these. I did. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. Huh. Mm. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Turns out your gen- you gentlemen were correct about the coil on the dream. I was actually replacing the coil while listening to the podcast where you answered my question. Hey. Walking, yeah, look yeah. at that. Hey, all right. Yeah, you, it proves bribing us with na- naked pictures does work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, and again, dream. Matt has before been like, what the fuck do I need to do to get you guys to answer my question? All right. So we did. So, okay, first of all, stump the chumps. We win. All right. Uh, So I, here we go. I did have a voltmeter stuck on the tank, which is what made me believe that it may have been something else draining the battery. Even after replacing the coil, I'm still getting about 12.2 or 12.3 volts while riding. Does that sound normal for an old Dream 250? How the hell do you do a parasitic draw test on an old bike like that? 
My new-to-me vintage bike checklist consists of going through the wiring harness and scuffing up all the connections, as well as putting dielectric grease on all of them. I like to just spray everything with WD-40. Right. It's that's mm. safe bet. It makes all your connectors pop and yep. come apart better yep. and cleans up your wiring. It does. It's very nice. Yeah, it works really good. I hope all you gentlemen came back in one piece from Vintage Days with us luck racing this weekend, trying to win the season championship, and we could possibly get it done this weekend. Cheers. You know what? Fuck it. Since I've got your attention, let's see above picture, I know it is said that there's no such thing as a rare Honda. But am I a fucking fool for getting rid of all of my 305 dreams and keeping all of my 250s? Looking back at the old literature from Honda dealerships, it appears that the price difference between the 250 and the 305 was basically nothing. So everyone went for the 305s. Are my 250s substantially more rare like I think? Sure would make my search for a white and blue 250 a hell of a lot easier if I'm not thinking correctly about this. Please tell Oscar that I'm heartbroken to tell him that all of the old photos were lost when you changed numbers, even on my end. Damn it. I had strategically sent those to you guys as a vault of sorts for safekeeping. <sighs> Pour one out for the lost nudes. Yeah, no sure. I, yeah you got her attention. Um, and anyway, we sent us his mailing address and, and we're going to exchange some gifts on that one. But anyway, about that whole thing. First of all, parasitic drawn an old motorcycle. Yes. There's all kinds of fucking things that can create well, parasitic drive. Well, let's go to 12.2. Exactly. That's a lot right. better than 11.9. Damn straight. True. If right. you're above water, yep. if you're above 12, you're, right. you're probably okay. That's all right. If it doesn't go down, yep. you're doing all right. Mm -hmm. It might not necessarily, it's not probably ever going to go up to 14.5. Good luck on that. I agree. Yep. But as long as you're breaking even or getting yep. a little better when it's running, you're doing good. The windings in your stator. And the strength of the magnets that are passing them are both going to degrade over time. It's just, it's just electricity. And if you take a radio that you pulled out of your mom's basement or your grandma's basement from 1959 and you plug it into the wall with that cloth cord, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the radio comes to life. Right. And you see the glow. Fucking vacuum tubes. Right? And the, tu the tubes warm up. And it starts chooching. And you start to hear static through it. And you move the knob. And everything's great. And you're like, oh, I'm starting to pick up some sound. Well, you got to move the knob some more to get both speakers. Clean. Right. And oh, you got to yeah. clean the knobs. You know, the, right? Yeah. But you're like, there's no way that this radio only made this much noise. Like, you, you move the knob 50 times for the volume, and you can never get it above a talking volume. And you're like, why the fuck is this thing so quiet? Ah, here's why it's so quiet. You reach over and you feel the cord that's plugged into your wall, and it's hot as balls. One, unplug it. <laughs> it's not like, oh, it's working. I'm going to keep using it for the next 50 years. People get old vintage televisions. People get old vintage stereo systems. They plug them in, and then a week later, their house burns down, and they can't figure out why. And it's because the electrical efficiency of the products, whether it's transistorized or whether it's tubed or anything that has a resistor in it, they, the chemicals and the 
materials inside all these capacitors and resistors break down over time. And what happens is the resistance increases dramatically as the materials inside the capacitors and the resistors degrade over time. Am I on the right track? Yep. Yep. And any old tube radio, yeah. the first thing you're supposed to do is recap it. Recap it. Right. New capacitors. Yep. Because and you get rid of the little cans and you use ceramic capacitors. Exactly. And if the more little plat little metal cans you have on a circuit board, the more electricity is going to heat. Yeah. And that's why you catch fire. That's why things burn. It's an item that might have been UL listed. I used to buy blenders old school vintage blenders i thought they were kick-ass and great i've also had three of them catch on fire <laughs> right because a blender from the 50s or 60s it looks cool it's metal it's heavy duty the whole deal you plug it in you smell the ozone oh yeah right mm -hmm. you try to make a milkshake with it and everything's on fire right <laughs> so that's just because it broke down and remember that if you have a magnet now, a, a, a motor, a motor that fucking spins, a commutator, magnets. That's how it works. Well, magnets lose their strength. Mm -hmm. Did you ever wonder why the magnet that you found in your desk drawer that wasn't stuck to your refrigerator, you stick it to your refrigerator, it doesn't stick to your refrigerator anymore. Or you have a Suzuki's from the 80s and 70s. Yeah. And their speedometers, they bought 15 <laughs> sets of speedometers. <laughs> uh, and they never work because they're magnet driven on the yes, inside. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And the, oh, the speedometer just does this. Yeah, it or just, it just bounces. Goes, yeah, just right. a little. Because it's like, it's, right. an, it's enough pull to make it yeah. move just a hair, but not enough to show you so, the speed. Yeah, yeah. I'll drink your beer, Dan. <laughs> so magnets that aren't, first of all, a magnet that's not stuck to metal. Mm -hmm. So if you have the flywheel off your motorcycle for any <laughs> long period of time, you are supposed to throw nuts and bolts in there, right? Turns out that's a thing. Um, you might not know that, but there's a reason that if you have your flywheel off your motorcycle and your flywheel contains all the magnets, mm -hmm. if you just leave the flywheel naked sitting on the shelf it will discharge mm -hmm. and your lights will be super dim and you won't be able to keep your voltage regulator happy. You'll burn up voltage regulators because your flywheel has lost its magnetism. It's a thing. We have friends that have devices that will remagnetize flywheels. Now we'll never get them back a hundred percent, but they will impart a very huge mag or electric force at this thing in a field generator, electromagnetic, electromagnetic force. And you will move the flywheel until it's within the proper range so that these coils can create an electromagnetic field and re-energize a 40-year-old magnet. It's fucking magic. As the jugglers would say, how do they work, right? So, uh, but it's a, it's a fucking thing. <laughs> You mentioned Juggalos, and I just read an article about the Juggalo yeah. Festival in The, the family reunion. Oh, my God. And the pictures from it. Oh, Game on, baby. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Game on. If it's you... like mid-Ohio without a point. <laughs> <laughs> if you like yep. <laughs> orca-class bazungas. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> And, and drunk pregnant chicks, Again, it's fucking on. Again. <laughs> Wolf. The odds are good, but the goods are odd. Yeah.
And that's my life. That's my life lessons for you. Believe me. And I guarantee um, you, you're coming home with a little extra something. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never go away. Big Ben. By the way, Big Ben did say Big Ben just said, how about a link to the People's Court episode? Yes. Everybody here at the podcast oh, watched geez. the People's Court episode. Yeah. So you can find it on Google. I'm not going to give it any more time than this. It's called scooting or scooting around the issue. So just type in People's Court scooting around the issue. Trust me. It's a gift to you. From me, from your Uncle Phil. Scoot on over to YouTube. Scoot on oh, over to geez, YouTube and you can puns, scoot around. If you like puns, it's wonderful. So, yeah. <laughs> so back to Matt Davidson's question. It is absolutely an old ass stator. An old mm-hmm. ass stator, an old ass flywheel. It's just not going to have the mechanical fortitude or the magnetic fortitude it ever had. You're never going to get that back. So unless you can find a new remanufactured flywheel, with new magnets, or unless you can find somebody who has the voodoo to remagnetize your if old you got, like, flywheel. One of those big, I don't like, know though because magnet fishing. Okay, things. my 1967 yep. Superhawk yep. seems to have a great charge. I mean, I can have a dead battery, yep. and I kick the Kickstarter, and it lights my headlight. Yep. And I and yep. when it starts, it'll go on virtually a dead battery, and it's yeah. from 1967. There's no new. It's never been remagnetized or anything like that. I just think it's, it's, it didn't, maybe it didn't get used. Maybe the fact that it sat for a long time, mm-hmm. its magnetism didn't wear out. Okay. And it was, it didn't flash past the coils and you know what I mean? Enough. Times. I want to, I'm going to throw this one out to Emma, right? To miss Emma, because I believe she might have the answer. You bring up an excellent point. If you have a motorcycle in storage, is it, do the magnets retain their magnicity <laughs> better sitting in one place or changing their fields? So Am I better to have a magnet sitting? Okay, here's a magnet. Right. I wave a piece of metal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I do that for several, for, right. for 20 years, does it eventually go dead? And then ah, I have another, you know, like this. Right, right. And if you've got five magnets and five poles, mm. right? <laughs> <laughs> his pants, I think, you his know pants I, fit like a glove. You know what would, <laughs> right. you know what would most likely <laughs> here would be a, a super huge factor. Yeah, if you had any kind of corrosion or any kind of contact yep. with your flywheel, Ooh, because yeah. you know how like you could take yep. a screwdriver, Absolutely. you could run a magnet yeah. across yep. it. Yeah, well, line them your up. flywheel. If something ever touched your flywheel yes. or anything like that, Absolutely. it would smear the fields. Like yep. and probably mess it up. So let me ask you: when you magnetize, you said that when you take a screwdriver, yeah. and you, yep. does that steal magnetism from the original magnet? No, what it no. does is the magnet when you're shearing it across, the screen, it lines up. It lines, yeah. lines yeah. the molecules. The ferrous, yeah. Magnetic. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It imparts a temporary charge as long as those those molecules are They're aiming still... north. It it lines the poles up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, if you drop that screwdriver, it'll lose its magnetism. Oh, like fucking a, a. On the ground. Trudy, true that. Ground and grounding. Yeah. And then the same thing with magnets. Got... It'll shock magnets. If you heat them up. Yep. They lose all their gone. Yeah. yeah, they'll lose now, their. Is this true? So speaking of grounding and shit like that, yeah. if you put batteries on the ground, yeah, it doesn't. That's not it true. It doesn't care. Doesn't doesn't. Okay, care. that's what yeah, I thought. I was care. like, unless you had like the the poles. Yeah, that's on the ground that's or literally something. where the terms ground and earth confuse people. Yeah, because they're like, oh, the battery's going to ground out. It's going to lose. But but if, not through a plastic bucket and through a plastic cage or whatever. Well, and people what are like, oh, I took a battery. I set it on the concrete floor because my grandfather was one of those like. 
I can't put them batteries on the concrete, kid. It'll take all the electricity out of them. Well, no, it didn't matter what was on the concrete. So, like, he, Grandpa would make me put, like, the batteries on a wooden box. Right. Hmm. Because then it wouldn't, the batteries wouldn't lose their energy. Right. It was wrong, but it doesn't matter. But, it might even be better because it would keep them cooler, like putting them in the refrigerator. Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of a weird thing. Does putting a battery in the refrigerator help them last longer? Slows down the chemistry? Slows down the chemistry, yeah. I don't know. That's the idea. I don't know. That's what they say. Yeah, that's the idea. But anywho, you know, not for nothing. So you got one stator and one flywheel, and it's indexed a certain way. You take that same stator and flywheel, you move it 10 degrees. So it's not lining up with the coils. So the fields aren't lined up anymore. Does that demagnetize it faster? Did John get lucky with his bike? It was stored in a way that the fields lined up and didn't rip all the freaking uh, magnetism out of the poles? Or is it you run the bike, running the bike constantly keeps the mag? Because I have had flywheels pulled off of bike with 100 miles on it, right? I had a flywheel I pulled off a bike with 100 miles. Flywheel was dead as fuck. You could hold the coil wire in your hand and kick the bike over and not get a spark, right? Well, and in some manuals, you actually yeah. are supposed to try to pick up like a crescent wrench with yes. it to yeah. make sure that yeah. it has good Absolutely. Magnetism. Absolutely. Test the magnetism with a wrench or a screwdriver or something like that. Now, I was taught, now I'm wondering about this whole thing because I was trained that when the flywheel comes off the bike, the flywheel goes on the shelf or wherever you're going, and then all the bolts that came out of the flywheel to, put, to take the thing off, they go into that you know, the free magnetic parts dish that's called your flywheel. Right. So your flywheel becomes your free magnetic parts dish and that will preserve the magnicity of your flywheel. Hmm. So your flywheel, because of incorrectly stored flywheel. So we used to stuff clutch plates in them. Well, that's another thought too. Yeah. What if your stator gets magnetized? So then you'd have canceling magnetic fields. Fair game. Yeah, so it, it kind of makes sense because it's the same yeah. as like putting a, a screwdriver or something. You're yeah. aligning to... Yeah. You're bridging the poles. Continue, you're, right, yeah, continue the poles. So right. you're kind of maintaining it kind of... I want to know more. So anybody, any of you guys out so here... So make sure your flywheel is magnetized. Make sure your stator is not magnetized. Okay. I need more information. Mm. So if you know more about this, Interesting. send your cards and letters to motorcyclesandmisfits at gmail.com. No, 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 no. <laughs> so clevelandmoto at gmail.com. Because I really do... I want to know if you guys have any more you know, anecdotal information about it. Because... I'm, it's been something that has haunted me as like a thing in the back of my brain where every time I take a motor apart, whether it's a Tecumseh lawnmower engine or a motorcycle engine, I literally will grab that stator or that flywheel and I'll put metal around it. Yeah. And, you know, on the Hondas, it's it, the, the, you know, the rotor is a big, heavy motherfucker and it's. Everything else is around it on most motorcycles. So when you have a stator versus having a rotor, um, the location of them, the anatomy of them, in one case, it makes it very, very easy to put metal to most it. Most Hondas use a fixed magnet a fixed flywheel. magnet flywheel, exactly. Fixed magnet. CB750s don't. They don't. They're funny that way. They've got the, that's one of, well, and there's a lot of other motorcycles do the same thing. But it is one of those things that I've been doing it forever. I just thought it was something you had to do. So maybe I'm full of shit. Well, I'm usually full of shit, but so anyway. You were making fun of that taillight? I still am. Okay, so <laughs> obviously that bike needed a taillight because it's on the road. So what yeah. is the excuse of your video game? 
I know, and the fact that it comes with the fact that yeah. our, the fact that our video game has yeah. a DOT approved SAE taillight on it, yeah. which is very. I think it's hilarious that the the motorcycle, <laughs> the plastic fake motorcycle, has a DOT approved taillight. Yeah, a giant fucking. That somebody went to the trouble of instead of just putting like a little, you know, trailer light on there or something, or it's an actual or something. It's an actual motorcycle taillight. I've seen many motorcycles that have that taillight. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a that's a taillight that appears on a whole <laughs> lot of motorcycles. Do you know what was funny? Was there was a minute in this shop where we were putting Model T, the little round stoplights yeah, on, on stops. all the bikes. Yeah, the Ford, yeah, the Ford taillights. That little cool. thing where it's like, take a Kimco bracket, yeah. yes. take a little piece of metal, weld that to that, and then put that to that. We got good at that. Thing. Yeah, it was like a nice yeah. little... It was like the perfect custom cafe racer taillight. It oh, looked yeah, cool yeah. on the back of any bike. Did not matter. Um, the ones that say stop. Stop. <laughs> stop. Uh, no, stop. <laughs> you guys want another uh, <clears throat> so last week what did we get last week we got a little secret 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 about something with 125 so cc who was supposed to be the special guest star tonight that didn't show we're not up? gonna we're not gonna throw him under the bus because he's we know it's a him yeah he's he's a he's a friend and we don't want to say anything bad okay so we're just that's never stopped us. yeah this time it's going to right this this time it's going to still might happen I'm right, saying, exactly, because okay. it still might happen. So okay. it still might happen. We don't want to burn any bridges. That we you and it's fine. You, it's you know, fine, Mr. Next, McGregor. It's okay. Time, you're fine. Yeah, you're fine. Fucking Obi-Wan. <laughs> Ain't that the case? Word. Okay, please, guys, I'm going to show you something. Please, please, please do not spill the beans about what we're talking about here. Um, I, again, just simply said, less said the better. Um, but I'm going to say a Taljet dragster. Yeah. I mean, right? that's exactly what it is. We all know what it is. And just so people know the Italjet dragster does exist. Uh, it's, yeah. it's a real thing and, uh, it is available in the year of our Lord, 2022. Really? It is. Yeah, it is. It's a real thing. Is it 50 cc's and two-stroked? No, it's not. Mm. Mm -mm, it's not. It's 200 cc's. And four-stroked. And four-stroked. That's kind of interesting. And uh, the reason I think that's kind of interesting is that, uh, well, wouldn't that be great if I could sell those at the shop? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd feel pretty good about that. So let's just kind of keep our fingers crossed about that because that would make me super happy. Give me a second. I'll pull this up. Uh, did, it, you, did you ever have the original? Oh, yeah. I've had two of them. So I had the dragsters and I, I didn't fit on them. So I could, small, not, huh? I could not make them work for me. They felt, they, they felt particularly bad to me. Hmm. Um, they did not fit and I could not make it fit. Uh, did everything I could. I really, really, really wanted to ride that bike and enjoy it. And unfortunately, it just did not fucking work out that way. When I had my Zuma, I was working on my Zuma 50, you know, and I made it a 70 and stuff. And yeah, I yeah, used to, I used yeah. to stroke the dong over the fucking dragster. I was oh, like, oh, it's, yeah, it's really, really hard to not. Yeah. I mean, that's, oh, God, it's such a good-looking bike. Yeah. It is such a good-looking bike. And so a that's, little bit. Do the holes do anything? No. No, well, that's they, where they don't the robot do dog from MIT fits into that. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just to be stylish. The holes they do. They would imply like a joint. 
Yes, like the holes too. make it look like you should be able to fold it, yeah. right? Like it should be able to fold into and onto itself. The circles are strong, man. It's just cool. And as much as, and then this is center hub steering. This is <laughs> center <laughs> hub <laughs> steering. And uh, what, what, what? Yeah, yeah. it is center hub steering. It sure is. And that's the way the original dragsters were. So uh, that's the thing. It's got a 12 inch uh, rim on the front and a 13 inch rim on the back for no fucking good reason. 15 inches of clearance? And wow. a whole lot of rubber, right? A passenger seat that only a manga chick could ride on. But I, yeah, in keeping with the dragster, yep. look how much bigger the back wheel is That's than the front. The, yeah, it's the dragster. It's really looking like a dragster. It's looking a lot like a dragster. Um, I like this bike. Can I tow my dragster with this thing? Probably. Now, so all of the data, all the pertinent data that I was able to find, this motor... Um, I was able to figure out which motor they're using due to From a, like a like, no, it's not a GY. Okay. So if it's, if a GY six is it's, a 150 CC and for the sake of fun, because Hey, what the fuck? Why not be fun? Can anybody at this table figure out what motor that is? Uh, because I figured it out. And I did some super close-up picture analysis to figure out what motor that was. And uh, so there you go. It's double overhead cam, four-valve engine that has uh, 18 herspers, okay? And That I'm, makes it more like a Vespa. It does. Or, well, oh, wait a second. What were we talking about earlier in the show? A company that made motors? Oh, Rotex? <laughs> No, is it a rotor? All right. So, would anyone like to look behind Sleepy? Oh, the oh. Scarabeo. Thank you. All right. There you go. So, the Aprilia Scarabeo 200. Ah, hey. right on, baby. Hey. So, yeah, the Aprilia Scarabeo 200. The Aprilia Scarabeo 200 is, in fact, the motor. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. The uh, the Aprilia Scarabeo 200 is the motor that's in it. I looked at the castings. I looked at everything. I mean, everything. John looks so sad. He looks sad when I took his fucking cheesy doodles away from him. He's like, dude, come take it away. He's like, I was offering a few. I wasn't giving it away. So, but here's good news for you guys, or as as my favorite professor would say, good news, everyone. Yeah. The good news is. That bike that's behind you, that Scarabeo 200, I had that thing up to a goddamn indicated 85 miles an hour the other day. Is that a 4T or a 2T? It is a 4T. Oh. So it's a 4T, four valve. Oh. And I looked at every engine casting I could find on every picture I could find because I wanted to figure out what fucking motor was in the Italjet because right. I thought I, I thought they, they might have pulled some shit about like, oh, it's really made in China. They're just putting Italjet badges on it because, like, Italjet is like a zombie name. Right. Like, the company, Italjet, when as a result to motorcycles, is kind of a zombie name. Because Italjet made all kinds of motorcycles all through the 60s and 70s, not just scooters. No, they made all kinds of shit. Like, there's been no shortage of Italjets. Now, interesting, would you like to know who started Italjet? 
Somebody in Italy? Oh, not a bad start. Jethro? <laughs> I don't know. Oh. Can Am? <laughs> Flo- Floyd Climber. Like of- Climber Manual? Yeah. What? Uh huh. Uh huh. Wow. Yeah. Exactly. So, yes. So, Leopoldo Tartarini, motorcycle racer, etc. right? The whole deal. Um, Italian guy doing what he does, racing BSAs, racing Moto Guzzi's, doing all the stuff he's doing, right? Having a good God time doing it, doing the Moto Giro, the Giro d'Italia and Benelli 125. The guy is a racer. He's a legit racer. That's cool. That's what he does. So, He's doing 125 class. He's doing 175 class. He's doing everything. That's fine. Decides in 1960, he's going to start building motorcycles. And he calls the company Ital Mazzetta. Eh, whatever. Okay. There you go. So that's happening. And, but yeah, exactly. But he's using motors out of East German MZs. So his motors for his bikes are all MZ motors. Okay. And so that's where the name, the, the Itale, Itale Mazzetta comes from. And he starts building motorcycles, you know, so 1964, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, keep on going on. So doing great and makes these Mustang racing motorcycles. Pretty cool picture there if you want to take a look at how you can get your motorcycles to the track in the sexiest way possible. Which is hilarious because... That's a micro car. Didn't a Challenger make a Triumph? Or wait, an Indian mini bike. Which was the ultimate zombie name for a while. And now it's come full circle to where Intelligent is now a zombie name. Because Floyd Clymer. Floyd Clymer owned Indian. And put Royal Enfield Motors into... It took Royal Enfield Motorcycles, rather, and rebadged them as Indian 500s. And that was all Floyd Clymer. So Climber's deal was all about taking brands that were not available in the United States or were not available in other cultures, rebadging them for this market. And yes, he badged tons of bikes. So Indians, yep, Italjets, sure. MZs, absolutely, I'm good. And this, I mean, this partnership between Climber and Tartarini, all kinds of cool shit. And the more that you look into it, the best uh, the, the more interesting it gets. So the basic thing that they're getting into is they build this motorcycle called the Griffin, right? So this oh. is, this is all starts in, you know, basically 1968. They make a folding scooter called the Kit Kat, which I'm still on the hunt for 1968 folding scooter with Kit Kat, Minarelli engine, all kinds of good stuff folds up. Awesome. But this idea of these, you know, the, more high-powered motorcycles. Yeah, we're going to start seeing those now. He did a Triumph motored bike. You know, he did the Griffin with the Triumph motors. The Climber deal, when you get into what happens with Climber, now we're talking about Velocet 500s. You're talking about Royal Enfield 750s, right? So he's done a bunch of motorcycles using other stuff. Climber, but Climber wasn't around very long. Climber died in the 70s. He didn't survive long. But, of course, we all know of Climber because of what? All the owners, the, the motorcycle magazines and everything else in the world. 
But that's a so that's an Italjet thing. So Italjet's been around. I know Italjets from Kitty Kids Kitty Rides. Yes, if you're in front of Kmart and you drop a quarter in, you want to ride the little mini bike. Oh, the mini bike in front of the Kmart is a fucking Italjet with everything welded tight on it. Huh. huh. Interesting. So you can't steal the parts off of it. And they had the mini mini and the Bambino and the Junior Cross. That's usually what was in front of Kmart was the Junior Cross. So anyway, that's the deal. That's the history of it. So it is funny when you get into it and you're like, okay, because it felt like a zombie brand. So I did a Google Earth search on it to just go to the location to be like, oh, this has got to just be like a little office. Yeah. Like a little office in an office building or whatever, because they're not building anything in the factory anymore. Nope. Still a factory. Really? They build bicycles. They build some high-end electric bicycles and some stuff like that. And apparently they build the Italjet Dragster. Cool. So, um, badass, very excited to see it's got the Aprilia 200 motor in it. That makes me happy. I was really concerned that it was going to have like an SYM 200 motor made right. in China or some mutated GY6. Well, no if you're way. in the market for sanitary wear, mm-hmm. Mansfield. They're carried at Lowe's. If you need to buy a new toilet, buy a Mansfield. Made in the USA, down in Ashland, Ohio. Really? Mansfield brand. Yeah. Mm, nice. Very affordable. I did not know about very that. Very quality. Been doing it since for 60-some years. Yeah, that is something. Okay, well, that, good to know. But back to the dragster. Yes. Um, lo- knowing that the motors in there and stuff, what do you think the price point is going to be on this particular vehicle's? Mm-hmm. Well, shouldn't it be thirty five hundred dollars? That's what every two hundred cc. Well, I mean, if you remember, is, the mean, original one was like expensive as fuck, wasn't it? Like right, seven yeah, grand yeah, or the, some well, shit. Well, it was up there, so it was more expensive than a similarly equipped Vespa. Yeah. Right. So 200 cc's, ABS. How much is this Scarabeo here? Well, so if you just threw it right against the wall and said, a Vespa GTS 300 is 7,100 bucks. The Royal Alloy 300 with the GTS 300 motor in it. put it up against like an LX. Or uh, Primavera. A Primavera. So Primavera is going to be about 5400 bucks, mm. right? So I don't know exactly what the price is going to be yet. Now, well, you got to pay for the fancy. Well, let's, let's say if it's under five grand, it might be attractive. There's no way oh. with the hub steering in the front. There's no there, way it's no going to be under five grand. All that There's build parts. No way. Yeah. Yeah, no way. So if you watch the YouTube videos and you do a little bit of research, you can find that this bike is selling in Europe and this bike is selling in Asia for right around 6600 bucks. Mm. 7000 bucks. It's going to have to have the right person's going to want it though. It's going to be it's going to sell about as well as the original Italjet Dragster. Exactly. Mm. That is it's exactly only going rare. to be a fanatic somebody who looks at it and is like oh, that's an Italjet Dragster. <gasps> That's a 200 cc. Oh, that has hub steering. Yeah. Oh my the good god. News is, fat, fat, fat. And then they're like, oh, <laughs> I know hey. that guy. Yeah, yeah. If you know that guy, if you got, you're going to have a handful of those guys that are going to buy it. It's not going to be the bike of choice of a lot of people. My first order of this bike is going to be four. I'm going to order four of them because I ordered in six of the Royal Alloy 300s, yeah. which is like 5,800 bucks. Right. It's a lot less money. I ordered in four, six of those. We only got two. I sold the first one right away. Right away. 
The second one's sitting in here because it's the wrong color, and the guy that bought it wants a white one, and I got a black one here. So this black one. You're not going to have that problem with these, but these are going to be instant collectibles. I agree. But they're, I totally there's agree. no way they're going to sell in big numbers because of the price and right. everything. They're too good. Yeah, you know, it looks like it's pretty quick on that video. It's, well, it's, it's going to be yeah. the people who have them are going to be like, yeah. oh, I've got the, yeah, this thing is fucking totally awesome. It's uh, advertised top speed is 120 kilometers per hour, 75 miles per hour, right? Yeah. That's advertised top speed, which we know is exactly the same advertised top speed as the Scarabeo 200. Right. Which we know that one is Scarabeo 200 has got 8,000 miles on it, the one parked right behind you, mm-hmm. that it will go over 80 miles per hour indicated. I got it to about 77 on the GPS, right? About 77, which it's is all fine. loosened up and kind of nice. loosened up and kind of happy. Yeah, exactly. So. Very fucking interesting. Oh, it's not that big though. Look at that dude. Right. Yeah, it's a little. It's a little dude. Yeah. So, it's not a big motorcycle. Right. Does it look like it's oh. two up. I mean, it's like it'll it does be like, have pegs. It's got. It's like pegs. it'll be like the chick on the back of a sport bike. Exactly. Presenting the badunka dunk. Now look at that dude. That dude's like five six, and he looks like a. He looks like a behemoth. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. So that's. I'm. I just. I'm gonna say it. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. This is the bike that, if scooter racing actually existed today, would be a great bike for it. Well, when scooter racing existed the first time, there was a certain fellow who came out to the track with one of these, and he didn't do great. He was also 240 pounds, 250 pounds. He's a big oak tree. Was looking he racing against other 50 cc bikes? Though. No, no. He was on a 180. Oh, okay. So it had the runner motor in it? Yeah, so two-stroke oh. runner motor. Oh. Yep. So he was on the 180, and I believe there was there might have been another one running around that was a 50cc, 70cc conversion. Okay. Um, but they weren't competitive against guys that were good riders on 200cc two-stroke Vespas that were basically had a hinge in the middle. And the fucking... You've never seen piss poor performance until you've seen a Vespa P200 going around a racetrack because the fucking gearbox grinds on the right hand side the second you lean it at all right so you can turn left like a son of a bitch when you turn right the thing unloads the tires and throws you on the ground so you basically can turn left you can't turn right and we never had any problem getting around the dragster you know because even the 180 runner motor yeah even the runner 180 motor because look at where it carries its weight. It carries its weight kind of high. It carries the rider super fucking high. Look at look at where that guy's feet are. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, now obviously, if you're riding that thing, your feet are going to be on the floorboards where they belong. You're not going to be perched up like that knucklehead. But, you know, there you go. I want this bike 